This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome back, everybody. I ha- this is the first time back for me. Where have I been? I took Monday off, had a funeral of my mother-in-law, Marilee Tanner Priest, beautiful woman, and uh, passed away. Alzheimer's took another life uh, for 14 years, by the way. Uh, but uh, it was a beautiful funeral, and um, you know that's why we do it. Love, I'm telling you, I, I never. I never had to really mourn someone super close to me. My grandma, maybe, yeah, grandpa. But I'm telling you, funerals are healthy. You need to do them. Terry's like, I hate funerals. I hate dead people. Oh, it was beautiful because you just get to see everybody that loved your mother-in-law or whomever, whoever it was that you're dealing with. It's cool. But it's good to be back. Speaking of funerals. Ben looks great. Wow. It's a segue. That was that was rude. He looks very as my as I, I heard a child call it peachy this morning. Peachy. Peachy. <laughs> it's the color of your skin. It's peachy. His oh. is more creamy. Okay. Pasty, Pasty white. Pasty, yeah. Porcelain. Porcelain like. <laughs> He's got that porcelain skin that get, get some sun. Like Walk a outside. Doll. Yeah. yeah. Um, here's the deal uh, because I wasn't here Monday. We, I have to bring up Broncos. What about them? I don't know if you heard this. They're going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. They... Carolina Panthers head to head. Boom. The Broncos beat the Patriots. That's cool. The ratings on those were huge. I know. Oh, by the way. The first game got around a, a what 63 was million people. Holy cow. And the second game, because it was more of a blowout, yeah. only 45 million people. They think that's because the East Coast was inside. Because of the snow. That's true. That is totally true. And uh, what did the ratings, I'm sure it's close to the ratings on the Democratic um, open house they had. What? What are they calling that get together they had? um, I have it written here. I think it's an open, uh, a Democratic forum. 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 The concept is the candidates are on stage by themselves. Yeah. They don't get to talk to the other people. They just answer questions. They have the audience to themselves for however long, 15, 20 minutes, a half hour, and they go walk off the stage. Could they be more obvious that they're they're not trying to have a real competition here? No. But they call that the open forum. What were the ratings? They had to have been up in the 60s of millions. No idea. I'll go with – I'll bet you – I'll guarantee you. I think my grandma was watching it. Was she? Yeah. Did she watch everybody or just one candidate? I, I think, I think she was more focused on her knitting, but oh yeah, yeah. Well, I was reading an article in um, Politico. Yeah, it said that Martin O'Malley had a rally yesterday. Oh, he did, and one person showed up. Mom, and that guy, eh, undecided. Are you kidding? <sighs> but Martin O'Malley took his jacket off. He did. He rolled up his shirt sleeves. He's getting to work. The funny thing about Martin O'Malley is. He's young and healthy. Like, like he's young. Well, compared, he's ripped. Have yeah, you com- seen him with his shirt off? No. I'm he's, not. Well, there's pictures out there. Him and Putin? 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but O'Malley, I mean, O'Malley is going to run. He, he could run five miles. Yes. The other two, not so much. That's what we ought to do. Just have a little race. A little foot, a little foot race. I, I was listening to a report this morning. The Iowa caucuses are in, uh, what, next Monday? They're Monday. The, the Iowa caucus? This Monday. Mm-hmm, this Monday. And and it's – there was a show a while back that I was watching, and they kind of did a representation of what the caucus is. Yeah. And it was in a school gym, and there was like a different corner and a table. Like this is where Hillary is. Bernie's over here. Martin O'Malley. And people just stand at the table. And you have to have 15% of the room. Yeah. Or they kick you out, and then they all those people can go somewhere else. So, so, when, so, so one caucus – you meet at your caucus site, and then you pick a table? That's how – well, it, it's more of your neighbors showing up, and you stand and report in a public way yeah. who you're voting for. Yeah, because you've already talked to your neighbors. This isn't walk in the door, fill out yeah. a ballot, walk back yeah, out the you door. Yeah, you have to be a – you have to be a – you have to be elected as a representative, I guess, of your neighborhood. Yeah. Then you go to the caucus, then you pick a table. Then you pick a table to go stand at. Well, don't you just – it just seems like – You've got to have really good food. If you have really good food at your table, this is totally a donut situation. Oh, totally. Whoever has the best donuts wins. That's how you get like kids to go to an early morning activity at school. Yeah, donuts. And so this is how it's done across all the different counties in Iowa. Sounds cockeyed. <laughs> it's kind of messed up. That's you know what? That's what's going to be interesting because Hillary does she have a get the does she have a really good get the people the out game. to the caucus yeah. game. And that's what they also were talking about Trump and how he's holding these massive rallies, uh-huh. but he's not really out going door to door type no. of thing to get people. And Cruz, Cruz, I guess, has got one of the guys that was that helped a lot with uh, um, Huckabee. Yeah. And Santorum. And they both won in Iowa. Mm. So it's really an interesting where you bring in these big, huge media savvy type politicians and they have to go. Yeah. Ground floor walk to people's houses and well and same thing. Bernie Sanders brings out huge groups, but will he get them to the table? I don't know. That's the question. They have you sign pledge cards. Oh, where you sign your name, I will vote for you. Interesting. And the idea is so that you have that mental sort of well, I I, I made an obligation. Yeah, my I'm, word yeah. is my bond, sort of thing. And well, and so the, a lot of these they must know, right? I mean, Clinton's got to know how well she'll do. I don't know if they do. I think they have an idea. Because they, they've Cause got somebody, all these cards signed. Somebody could just stand in that gym and go, eh, and walk across the room. Bernie's got bagels. <laughs> I'm going to Bernie. <laughs> I, I just think this is so interesting. This is how we start the uh, the process with is, something like this. It's, it's just, really interesting. That's why we're bringing account. on Joe Cannon. Yes. He is our Washington insider. He'll be giving us the scoop, you know. Hey, uh, Donald Trump doesn't want to offend Ted Cruz. I came in like a but he does every chance he gets. He calls him nasty. Yeah. And I don't know goes, what that means. He, like, was, he was born in Canada. I'm not sure what that means. He's Canadian. Sure, he could run for prime minister. Isn't that weird? He, he said it again two or three times I've heard recently. I heard it this I morning. I don't want to offend. I, I, I don't want to speak ill. Yeah. But he's nasty. <laughs> that is like the worst. That's the worst thing you can call a person. Like, is he just dirty nasty? Yeah. Does he just play bad games? Everybody hates him. We're going to ask Joe. Does everybody well, hate Ted Cruz? Because Donald says and, and that's everybody not does. just Donald. That's 
Bob Dola said that, yeah. and multiple other people have come out and said that he's really disliked. Nasty. His college roommate. <laughs> you have to find that interview. It's funny to, to listen to this guy just go off. The now, he, he, who knows where this guy? I mean, he is his college roommate. Yeah, you're not sure what led to his opinion of Ted of Ted Cruz, but it is funny to hear another person go, "Wow, this guy is just a jerk." Did you see the video of Ted Cruz as, in high school? Or the world's in college. Oh, was, yeah, just world college. domination. Yeah, world domination. Yeah. But he looks exactly the same. Yeah, I you know mean. I mean, exactly the same. Not so Grandpa Munsterish is now, but well, yes, yeah. just a lighter, a lighter, fairer, a younger Grandpa Munsterish, and kind of a smart Alec. Okay, but dude, this guy's a smart guy. Uh, Harvard trained, right? Supreme Court. What do they call him? Well, he interned for him. Intern, which yeah. is huge. It's just like getting an intern. That I- Scotus intern. Oh, they don't call him intern. Scotus. Clerk. Clerk is just like getting an internship on the Matt Townsend show. No. It's a lot like it's a Seeing lot. Seeing as we like don't it. have interns. It's nothing. It's like, like getting that a at job all. as a producer on okay. the Matt Townsend show. Because I think the clerk job it's actual job. It is a job. It's and it's a highly sought after and he's he did that. I mean he's he's the real deal. He's the real deal. Hmm. By the way, happy uh, peanut brittle day. It's a good day. Are you into peanut brittle? No. Uh gets stuck in my teeth. Yeah, that's why I just take mine out and just pop in some brittle. Suck on it for about a week. <laughs> Happy peanut brittle day. Hey, uh, let's get to the headlines. Anything going on around the world we need to pay attention to? There is. Thanks, Matt. A young man confronted Hillary Clinton at the Democratic Forum in Iowa Monday night, asking the frontrunner why there there's not as much enthusiasm for her among young people as there is for her rival, Bernie Sanders. Quote, in fact, I've heard quite a few people my age that think you are dishonest, the young man said. Clinton responded that she's been under attack for a lot of her political career. They throw all this stuff at me, and I'm still standing. But if you're new to politics, if it's the first time you've really paid attention, you go, oh my gosh, look at all of this. And you have to say to yourself, why are they throwing all of that? Well, I'll tell you why. Because I've been on the front lines of change and progress since I was your age. Wow. There you go. She went on to talk about how she's fought for kids and families and women and all this, but she's saying that she has ruffled feathers and people are not happy with the things that she's done when it comes to policies that she's tried to put well, out. And- there's more people that are kind of disheartened than just the youth. Yes. She was trying to sum it all up in a yeah. quick town hall meeting. Okay. Uh, recent polling has Clinton with a 14-point lead nationally and a 6-point lead in Iowa. Wow. Trump... And Ted Cruz remained neck and neck in Iowa less than a week before the Republicans head to the state's first in the, first in the nation caucuses. The state Quinnipiac University uh, survey out Tuesday shows Trump is just two points ahead of Cruz, 31 percent to Cruz's 29 percent in a distant third. Marco Rubio at 13 and the remainder of the candidates in single digits. No mm. other candidate higher than seven. Marco. Rubio. Polo. In an interview on CNN Monday, Donald Trump said that he may not attend Thursday's Republican debate with, uh, because of Fox News anchor Megyn Kelly. I don't like her. She doesn't treat me fairly. I'm not a big fan of hers at all, the presidential hopeful said. He goes, <laughs> I'd like to go to the debate, but we'll see what happens. It'll be exciting. The next debate's Thursday 9 Eastern. Fox News points out that he's done this multiple times before, and it just drums up excitement for the debate, so thanks. Yeah. Keep it up. It's like he's going to the prom, but his last date, he wants to know his last date's going to be there. Yeah. Is Megyn Kelly going to be there? I don't like her. I don't want to be there. 
And he said, and he he goes and says, you know, no one even knew who she was until that first debate. I'm like, well, (laughs) she has a hundred million, you know, person. She had a pretty big show before the debate. Yeah, she has a lot of viewers. So Michael Bloomberg. Yes. For, he's the former mayor of New York, has not entered the presidential race, but he's already racking, he, he is already racking up supporters. Not among them is Bill de Blasio, the current mayor of New York City. The people of this country are not going to turn to a billionaire to solve problems that were created largely by billionaires, says de Blasio. <laughs> wow. So we'll see what Bloom- Michael Bloomberg does. Right. Apparently, I've heard he's bored, and that's kind of why this has come up again. If you're bored and you got a billion, just run. He goes, I could run. Look at Bernie Sanders. He goes, hey. come on. Said it would really make uh, Bloomberg angry if, if uh, Bernie Sanders won a couple of the uh, caucuses or the early yeah. The early races. Early races. Make him kind of angry. A security expert says he believes that the three inmates who escaped from the Santa Ana, California jail on Friday had assistance from someone inside the jail. The men cut through a metal grate, crawled through plumbing tunnels, sawed through steel bars, then used a rope made of bed linens to repel from the roof of the jail to freedom. The uh, man who's from a consultant group on prison security says it's likely the inmates were given blueprints to the, the men's central jail or told about the layout. A spokesperson from the Orange County Sheriff's Department said there's no evidence of any help from prison workers, but it has not been ruled out as of yet. And the three guys that, that got out are bad, bad people. They're still on the loose. They've done horrible things. One of the, the local district attorney compares one of them to Hannibal Lecter. Oh, Wow. So that's not good. Is he the one in the mask? He's the guy in the mask. Look for the guy in the mask. Um, it was a bad enough that the Arizona Cardinals were defeated by the Carolina Panthers 49-15 to Sunday, missing out on Super Bowl 50 to pour some salt into the wound. Just two fans waited for them when they arrived back in Arizona. <laughs> a man named DJ Michael Gonzalez and a woman, Anna Rojas, were the only two to greet them Monday, and both said they could tell the players appreciated their appearance. Gonzalez said, I bet they feel great to see two faces out here rather than no faces. I'm going to doubt that. Yeah. Probably they probably oh. just wanted to sneak in in the dark of the night. Oh, well. You know, that was a surprising game. Holy cow. Where'd that come from? That was a blowout. Yeah, you expect, expected a better showing. Are the Panthers that good? Well, I guess. That but was at amazing. The, at the same time, you, you saw the Panthers quarterback just be able to stand back there for quite a bit of time and yeah. wait for someone to get open, and no one was getting to him, so yeah. there was no pressure. I mean, if you got all day. Yeah. And and the and the other quarterback made a lot of mistakes, just like in the Denver Bronco Patriot game. Right. Tom Brady threw, made a lot of mistakes through interceptions. Was that, that defense was really after Brady. That's sometimes fun to watch. That is. Good. Watching another human run for their life. Oh, Yay. I love it. I love it. Now they know how I feel doing a radio show. Hey, we're going to take a break. When we come back, our Washington insider, Joe Cannon, will be joining us. We'll be talking about the Iowa game. We've only got six days left, folks. Six days until we never need to bring up Iowa again. Stick with us, folks. We'll find out uh, what's going on, who really may uh, have an advantage with our Washington insider. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, we got to talk politics. Six days out from the Iowa caucuses and um, a lot of just weird, weird political positioning going on. Um, and so we wanted to bring in again our Washington insider, Joe Cannon, 
the insider that doesn't feel like an insider, but we know he is. Uh, he is the uh, CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation, trying to lower the costs of fuel and improve the marketplace um, so that so that you know we can keep lower fuel prices here in the United States. He uh, Joe Cannon was also chairman of the Utah Republican Party back in the day, was a candidate for U.S. Senate, and also served as an assistant administrator of the U.S. EPA under um, underneath President Reagan. So, right. Joe, we welcome you. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Great to have you, yeah. and. Man, there's so many things we can talk about. First, let me just let me just talk about the most important thing in my life: uh, Broncos, Panthers. You going to pick a team? <laughs> you know, I don't follow You're a baseball the NFL guy. very much. I know. I'm You're a pure baseball. more of a baseball guy, but uh, yeah, it's a, yeah from from it's, from what I know, that's going to be a, a heck of a game. You it's, if Peyton Manning wins, he's going to drop the mic and walk away. I'll bet you bucks. <laughs> Could be. He's got it. Because he, he probably doesn't have another big-time season. That was a hard that, year. That's probably true. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll do that later, Joe. Um, okay, so here's the deal. I don't know if you know it. Trus, or Trump doesn't want to be rude, but he thinks Cruz <laughs> is nasty. <laughs> Did you hear that today? I don't want to be – I don't want to say anything bad about him, but he is nasty. <laughs> you just think, holy cow, that is ruthless. What is going on? Uh, it seems like Cruz is dropping. Well, what it shows it is that uh, negative campaigning works. Uh, I have a very close friend, maybe known to some listeners here, so I won't say his yeah. name, but he said, you know, um, negative campaigning is immoral, it's indecent, it's wrong, I will never use it. Unless I have to, and then they use it <laughs> if they have to use uh, it. So you so know that's it works. It. So so the fact that Trump in his very nice, polite, congenial way, has gone after uh, Cruz. Uh, Cruz. It's taking him down at, at at least in in Iowa. And I guess so, that's what it was. Cruz was yeah. gaining. It uh, was ahead in Iowa. Yeah. So you can tell. Then Trump. Okay, took the yeah. gloves off. No more bringing Trump. No more bringing Cruz along. Right. Right. No, he's. Uh, Trump, actually, he's even said this. He said, "I've got to win in Iowa." Yeah, uh, and and I think he does have to win in Iowa because you know you might ask, well, what the heck does Iowa matter? I mean, right. you know, it's less than maybe one hundred and fifteen, hundred and twenty thousand. Right. Um, but uh, but but it's it's number one, and if you can't, yeah. and it also shows organization, right? It shows that you you've it, got it up. It going. shows a lot of things, and that's why people pay attention to it. I mean, it is first, so yeah. regardless of where it is, the fact is that it's the first one. It's the first time anybody gets to show their wares in terms of who they can uh, turn out. So, and it's also not always predictable. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So lots of people have won this that haven't. You know, have not been the predicted winners. Talk talk endorsements because uh, he also brought in. Uh, he got Trump got the wonderful endorsement of Sarah Palin, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but which also shows like a, an ultra conservative angle, right? Well, maybe. I okay. Mean, I, for many people, the Palin endorsement of uh, Trump confirmed what many people on the left and the right. Suspected all along, you've got now you've got two people without ideological rudders supporting each other. <laughs> now, now you know, Sarah yeah. Palin, of course, has owned a you know a, she has a megaphone, and yeah. and lots of people like her. But it would be hard to say, especially now, that she would be a principled 
conservative. Yeah. Okay. So she, he's got a big endorsement. But if you just look at all endorsements over all candidates in both parties, you you find as with many anomalies this year. This year is a year of anomalies. But uh, the two leading candidates on each side have almost no endorsements. You know, Bernie Sanders has a handful. Right, right. And and, uh, Trump has Sarah Palin, basically. And no, uh, not only no endorsements by most of of the, quote, establishment or even establishment in the conservative – National Review, the yeah. Bible of the conservative movement, came out. Twenty-two people said no and heck no <laughs> to him. So it's uh, they did. That is strange, yeah. right? Like that was that's a major affront. It's almost like there's some nobody's like endorsing him. They're they're kind of anti-endorse. They're going against him. Right, right, right. And so so anyway, you have the two leaders in each party yeah. have almost no endorsements, and then you have Clinton has every endorsement basically. Right. You know from. From the you know congressional delegation in in New England yeah. to and everybody Parenthood. else, she she is the endorsed candidate. And on the Republican side, uh, number five or six, depending on which polls you're looking at, George or, uh, uh, Jeb Jeb Bush has the by far the most endorsements, followed by Rubio. See that makes uh, the case though. Yeah. See those are the insiders. Well, some are insiders, some are, some are newspapers. You That's know, true. the Des Moines Register endorsed uh, Rubio, for example. Um, so you've got what what you see is is that the two leaders are not connecting with interesting, right? You know, sort of the party insiders of, of either party. It's it's one of many anomalies. I, I, uh, the Des Moines Register, by the way, has been pretty good at predicting who becomes the nominee in each party. And they picked uh, Rubio and Clinton. Right, right. And so they're, they're – I don't know if they're going to succeed on Rubio. Yeah. Almost certainly Clinton is going to – you know, still has the edge, although – you just don't know. You don't know, do you? Yeah. This is – Bob Dole came out. That was a really weird endorsement, an anti-endorsement against Cruz. Right. Cruz is nasty. Yeah. Explain what what is the deal with Cruz. Why can't – I mean I get he's turned well, there, people there are off. a lot of different – He shut down right. the government. Yeah, he, he – uh, he doesn't have a lot of pals in the Senate and that's I think yeah. what Dole was saying. I might I might say when I heard the Dole quote, I thought, oh, is – is Dole still alive? I, I did too. Uh, so I did that, too. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. That's it. So he, yeah, great. He's, um, anyway. Fantastic. Uh, uh, Cruz doesn't have a lot of pals in the Senate, I think. So a, 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 it's a range of perspectives on Cruz, but but some real conservatives, the hardcore conservatives are saying the establishment hates Trump, but they fear Cruz. Oh, interesting. And so that you're seeing this, Wow. It's it's a really interesting cleavage, a really interesting divide here because some people are saying, okay, we don't like Ted Cruz, yeah, but we can't stand the thought of Donald Trump, and then you have another set of people saying, yeah, we can't stand Donald Trump, but we we really we can't really stand, can't Cruz. stand <laughs> Cruz. So you've got it's yeah, it's just very interesting to see that, and then you've got this kind of nice guy Rubio waiting in the wings, and just depending on a lot of different things. Uh, Christy Kasich is Kasich moving up. Kasich seems to be moving in, up in uh, New Hampshire. So you've got is yeah. talk. I, I was dying to ask you because of your um, fuel kind of uh, foundation. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Mayor or uh, Governor of Iowa, Branstad, yeah. mm-hmm. coming out against Cruz so strongly 
And that had ethanol written all over it, didn't it? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Cruz, to be fair to him, uh, uncomfortable as he makes a lot of people, he's pretty principled on this. You go into Iowa, uh, the most conservative free market people go into Iowa and, and have a religious conversion to corn-based <laughs> ethanol. And uh, and you know I don't want to debate the merits of, of ethanol. It actually has lots of virtues to it. But – as a political issue in Iowa, it's really, it's really cr- yeah. critical. And Cruz is saying, I don't like the subsidies. Maybe ethanol is good. You know, you guys, maybe in a market-based economy, ethanol would be really great, but I'm not going for the mandate. I'm not going for what's called the RFS, uh, Reformulated Fuel Standards. So, um, yeah, it's a big deal. Brandstad is the, just a little footnote, is the oldest the longest-serving governor right. in the history of the United States, barely beating out Governor Clinton of wow. New York two centuries ago. Oh, my heavens. So he's he gets Iowa as well as anybody yeah. could. And he's and coming he, out and he's, weeks yeah. before blowing yeah. up Cruz. Right, yeah. So you've got – You've got the Trump tactics, and then you've got Branstad, who's a very popular governor. Um, is he? And he's a GOP? Or is he? He's, yeah, he, he's he's a Republican. Yeah. So wow, uh, yeah. they're all against Cruz. Well, those people are. You know, you've got a the one thing sixty percent. Just in round numbers, say this year you get two thousand caucus attendees. Okay. That, by the way, that I mean two hundred thousand. That would be probably the biggest in history, 60% of them are evangelicals. Okay. And, a, and a lot of them are supporting Cruz. A chunk of them are supporting uh, um, Rubio. And uh, a surprising to many people, Slice are supporting Trump. Hmm. So who actually shows up, who has the actual ground game? It'll be really a week from today. Are we should you, do the show, by the way, a week from today, not Monday. I know. Yeah, I know. We should. Maybe I, let's have you on on Tuesday. Okay, let's, we'll have to see if we're already well, – we, we may already have, have somebody. But talk about uh, Clinton's chances and what's going on in, in the Democratic side of Iowa. I mean she's leading – she's leading by like six points I believe. Is this yeah. Uh, I didn't, I'm I'll sorry. I didn't look at the average this morning. But, but yeah, she's ahead. But the recent polls are still showing more strength for – uh, yeah, he's you know, increasing trending. strength for Sanders. A and B. Sanders has captured the Obama team in Iowa, and that's formidable. That is you, formidable. You've got people who really, really care, really want to get out, and I think they really want to show uh, Hillary Clinton that she can't take Iowa for granted. It seems like uh, Clinton's um, organization is shocked that she's not doing better. I mean, should she be? Well, from what I can tell, just from talking to some people who are kind of closer to the Clinton campaign, is that uh, they're just surprised. They're, you know, that whole story is getting less play than the Trump phenomenon, but it's still pretty similar. People are, you know, if if you just if you didn't know anything about the Republicans, you're just looking at the Democrats. You'd say, "Really, you've got this old <laughs> socialist, self-described socialist senator from one of the smallest states in the country, uh, population-wise, owning the the race." And right. I, I I do think the people behind the the Clinton campaign were 
ne- never suspected that. They thought, oh, great, a flurry of uh, publicity. Yeah, he's engaging. He's a he's a pretty engaging. He's cute. Uh, he's got a but he's but, he's engaging. Yeah, and, and the youth. And he's got he's got people who shock troops are going to come out to those uh, caucuses. So it, it, it's really interesting on that side. What does it do if he wins big? Uh, and then if he wins yeah, big in New Hampshire. Yeah, those are – that's the the likely scenario. I mean just going back to 1980, which unfortunately I'm old enough to remember. And I actually <laughs> was working on the Reagan campaign in those days. Uh, Bush, H, George H.W. Bush won Iowa shocking everybody because yeah. everyone thought the orthodox doctrinaire conservative was going to come out of there so they redoubled their efforts and they won in new hampshire i don't see that happening here uh if anything a sanders victory if that were to happen in iowa would just reinforce the strength that i think everybody stipulates that he in has new hampshire. the difference is is that i don't think he's got legs much beyond well, you, that then you got to go to you got then it just starts yeah, and, and hillary's already deep in all those other areas yeah and so, so i that that's why i think everyone is really still confident mm-hmm. that that Bernie Sanders is more like Gene McCarthy in 1968, who went no place, but he did knock off President Johnson. Yeah, um, that that there's no no one conceive can, can conceive of a Sanders, right? You know, G, or a Democrat nomination. But it, but yet, it keeps just rolling. It it does. It's like Trump and, too, where yeah. you, you, we just can't believe it. The, there is a difference here. Um, I, I think that Hillary is the number two choice of a lot of Sanders people. I think Donald Trump is nobody's second choice. Right. I should, you say nobody. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there are people around the, the edges. There will be some. But if you look at Iowa and you look at New Hampshire, he actually has the same number, in the, the average of the, of the uh, polls, the uh, real clear politics average. He's got – the 32, 33 percent in each state. The next three or four candidates have around 50 percent. And he's not the second choice of any of those yeah. people. So it'll be. So until, until also until the until the third, the 12, whatever we're down to now starts to shrink. Right. And there's really only two choices. Then we'll see. Right. That's why this could go long, uh-huh. because at least Trump. Well, if you take Trump, Cruz, and Rubio, they're all pretty well financed. They're all financed well enough to get as far as they need to go. And as I think I mentioned last time we talked, only 10 states are winner-take-all. That's right. So you got 40 states that it's proportional so in one form or other. And you know, it's possible nobody gets nobody gets to uh, 50 by oh, the conventions. Yeah. This is going to be fun, Joe. Well, it's going to be a week from today is going to be a very interesting. I can hardly day. wait. In fact, I will check out with Terry if we can get you here on Tuesday. Uh, we're going to take a break. More with Joe Cannon, our Washington Insider. You can go to his website at uh, fuelfreedomfoundation.org. Fuelfreedom.org is the name of the website, and uh, learn more about uh, Joe's fight to uh, to make uh, our fuel costs here in the United States much more affordable. When we come back, I want to talk about Bloomberg. I also want to talk about the EPA and what's going on in Michigan. Because that uh, got crazy and may even, they're calling now for a resignation of a GOP governor there, Republican governor. We'll take a break, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. We'll be right back.
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. In studio with us is Joe Cannon, our Washington insider. He's he's done everything. He's the Renaissance man. He's been a, an editor of a major morning paper or a major newspaper, Deseret News, uh, in the Intermountain West, an administrator of the EPA under um, President Reagan, a candidate for Senate. Assistant administrator. S- assistant administrator. Yeah, we got to get that straight because yeah. today we'll be talking about that. Talk uh, to me, Joe, about um, Mayor Bloomberg, three-time New York Mayor Bloomberg, billionaire Bloomberg media company. He may enter the race as an independent. Yeah. Well, at this point, he almost has to yeah. do it as an independent. Um, and he could do it. You know, I know um, over the years, actually, I know from a, a lawyer friend of mine who's done some of the research, He's he's... He knows a lot about what you have to do to run as an independent. Really? He's thought about it over the years. Yeah. And now he's thinking, you know, gosh, um, there's a not zero chance that, that Mrs. Clinton might not make it to the finish line. Yeah. She either can... because of Sanders or because of Her, other. The federal know, FBI yeah. probe. Yeah. yeah. So I, I doubt that if it looks like she really is going to be the candidate and she dodges the bullet on the FBI investigation, I don't think that he would run. But. You have a fairly short window. He's, yeah. he's got only a, like by a, March. He's got to get start being on, on the ballots. ballots. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he definitely has the wherewithal. He's the what would happen because it seems like if a lot of people aren't as into Trump as you know maybe as we're hearing, and it was Trump. If, if Trump won the the nomination for the Republicans and Clinton, if if we had a really strong third party, would would the th- could the third party win? Well, you'd be bucking a couple hundred years of history, which for seems that like to totally appropriate yeah. this year. But yeah, but uh, yeah, no, you're exactly right. That that kind of I don't see it happening with a with a Bloomberg. I mean, Bloomberg's appeal yeah. is going to be, if anything, to the Sanders wing, although he would be the rational Sanders. He's clearly not a socialist. He's no. a business business person. He he gets business. Um so he's you know more credible in, in that regard, but still he's going to appeal mostly to Democrats. Okay. So and, so would and, that hurt that would hurt would def- that hurt Hillary more than Trump? Oh it definitely would hurt Hillary. But then he's also there, a big business. I am assuming he's probably uh, you know, more of a conservative financially, fiscally. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. He's he's really probably is really a true independent. But he was also the mayor of New York. When well, he uh, took away, your, and, he taxed your drinks and and did a lot of things. <laughs> he's you know he's anti-gun. Um, I just don't see him getting resonance much yeah. in in the Republican on the Republican side of things. So yeah, no, he and he would be much more formidable if you if you think in nineteen I mean sorry, in um in two thousand, what turned that election could well have been a guy named Ralph Nader oh, yeah. who took a tiny fraction of the votes right. in Florida. Now there's a lot of debate over that. I don't want to get into that, yeah. but I'll just say that Bloomberg is not Ralph Nader <laughs> in any way. He's actually an experienced politician. Yeah. He's actually done stuff has and he definitely has money. the money to do whatever it takes. And so, yeah, it could be. Boy, that would be interesting, especially, yeah. I guess, if Hillary's hasn't been in, indicted or if the FBI probe's not going anywhere or nobody knows where it's going because now that's been delayed because of the storms, I guess. Now they can't release 
the remaining emails. But she's in more trouble there than it seems like originally thought because there's even super top secret information on our servers now. There's definitely a problem there. There's there's a problem there. Whether the FBI decides to go forward and really it's going to be a Department of Justice determination and the Department of Justice, I think, in any administration is a good deal more political than the FBI, happily. Yeah. Uh, well, happily that the uh, FBI is not political. Right, exactly. Not, not happily that the Justice Department is political. But, but no, she she could. This will be a constant uh, festering sore, no matter what happens. Hmm. I mean, she will declare victory if she's not indicted. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, cause, not, cause, that's not a really good place to be. Yeah, hey, right. I wasn't indicted. Right. End of story. Well, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on which side you're on. That's not going to be the end of the story. <laughs> right. And there was a wonderful article, and I'm trying to remember the man's name, um, on Real Clear Politics about – he's a judge. Now, did you read about this? And he, he, he basically went through and he, and he just talked about there's four different levels of that she could be guilty, like from serious intent to mislead yeah. to just just made a mistake but still guilty. And – Anyway, it was it was brilliantly written, and I'm sitting there thinking. And he said, basically, at some degree, she's culpable to have this much information on a server. And then uh, Bob well, Gates was it? Bob Gates comes out and says she knew. A she lot. knew, of course. Uh, yeah. She. I mean, oh, and these could be have been. These are probably been picked up by China, right. Iran, that's what, Russia. That's what he said. That was very strong. It, um, wow. I mean, it's just. You go back to the root of the whole thing. Why does a secretary, why does a cabinet secretary, yeah. especially of that of particular state, right. department, have her own private server for everything? Why would you want that? And and it doesn't matter what the law is there. That's just a peculiar yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. And uh, so this is not going to go away. She may not get indicted. Fine. Uh, right. But – what happens if the Justice Department – if the FBI suggests they do move to indict her and the just, and the, or the FBI suggests they do and the Justice Department doesn't? Um, my guess is, is that there will be resignations in the, from the FBI mm. and that that would make it even, even a worse situation yeah. because then it would be n- more nakedly political than it normally would be. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, it'll be, mm. but in any case, if you're, if you're Bloomberg, you're sitting there on the sideline, you're thinking he's saying right now, that right. If she's the candidate. He probably won't do it, yeah. but he wouldn't be this far down the road if he didn't think there was some, and if he's on the ballots by March yeah. and get, she's wounded, why yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah. And so, yeah. Hmm. Does uh, oh we got to get to because of your your history in the EPA many moons ago. Um, talk about Flint, Michigan, because the that became uh, the governor now Snyder mm-hmm. uh, is is in some deep water because of the Flint water problem. Right. But a lot of this also goes back to the EPA had information that they kind of put under wraps. Well, it's a it's a tragedy. However you oh, look at horrible. it, it's very sad for the people involved. Just a little footnote of my own history. When I was at EPA, I, I played a fairly significant role in removing lead out of gasoline. Lead is a oh. bad thing, and it's especially bad for children. Yeah. So adults, no, can, right. adults can absorb lead, but lead doesn't go out of your body in the same way that other toxins do, and especially for children. And it's absolutely clear that that 
increased uh, absorption of lead leads to lower IQs. Right. And so that's a that's a So you got it out of gasoline. Yeah. There's still lead in paint. Well, there's lead in paint. Well, there's not much lead in paint anymore. There's yeah. there's no lead in paint anymore. Right. But there is lead in old paint. Old, old paint in and old, old pipes and old buildings. Mm-hmm. You've got a lot of lead residue there and that's that's I don't want to get into yeah. much of the details of that, but it, it's a tragedy for the actual people of Flint and then really betrayed Every way you could be betrayed, you think, well, we can rely on EPA. That's the They'll that's their us. job. Their job is clean air, clean water, clean land, and it's there's clear evidence of betrayal. And already there's a casualty. Already, I think the regional administrator or somebody in the you know fairly senior in the regional area resigned mm. over this. Um, why, but, explain but why the, the governor is yeah, involved. Normally, you think, why would the governor be involved in a, in a city? Well, it turns out Flint is actually or essentially bankrupt. The the state government has taken over the managerial functions okay. of of the city, and and so yeah, so there's clear evidence that the governor knew, or his staff and or he knew about this problem and put it off. Mm put it off. Now, maybe they were thinking the EPA would take the hit. I, who knows what they were thinking? But the, I really normally don't like the word victims. Yeah. But, but really, if you're a citizen of an, of an incredibly distressed area- And, a, and the lower income with, citizens yeah, yeah, that have just, already been beaten down. Yeah. And, and now this, I mean, everyone is entitled to clean yeah. drinking water. Especially in the United That's States right. of America. That's life, right? Yeah. We're all entitled to life. Oh, so wow. it's, it's a it's a tragedy. However you hmm. however you look at it, and uh, I don't oh. know if any, I don't know if the governor will resign. I I don't know anything about that. But there is a lot of muck to go around. Yeah, no in, right in this one. Um, and boy, a lot of passing the buck. Um, you know, and and Hillary Clinton can, is using it on her speech in her speeches now. But it's it's just tragic. Whatever it is. Well, no one's. No one is clothed in glory on this one. It's a, it's a just sad all the way around. Yeah, really. From the yeah. from the mayor on up. I mean, yeah. and from the local government to the state to the national government. A lot of times in environmental re- regulation, you're you're dealing with hypotheticals and what happens if you know a mouse eats a, a substance for seventy years and he's yeah. going to get cancer. This is real. This is this is actually real right. dirt, real bad stuff. Coming out of pipes that people are drinking. Yeah, it's really a sad. and and creating real numbers of elevated lead in yeah. the bodies and yeah, babies. Yeah, and measurable kids. measurable amounts. Yeah. Oh, um, what uh, what else do we need to worry about, Joe? You've got uh, we got the big Iowa caucuses coming up. Anything else should be on our radar? No. Well, I mean, yeah, there are plenty of things that should be on our radar. But I would just just finishing up on the Iowa the caucuses. You're really seeing this cleavage in both parties. I've, I've, I've often myself, you know, I'm a big fan of the two-party system. And when people say they don't like it, I say try Italy <laughs> uh, or try these multi-party. Yeah. But we really have four parties. You know, it's just there are two of them each are housed in yeah. the main parties. And there's a big war going on in each party, uh, more – more significant and more deep, I think, than uh, in, in any time in history here. And so it's it, it'll be really interesting how this sorts itself out because you've got a lot of principled doctrinaire conservatives saying 
Trump is not one of us. How can you do this? And then you've got the populist side of things, the angry side of things, saying no. Just uh, maybe – do we have time yeah, for yeah. more notes? Yeah. Um, people are wondering about the Trump phenomenon and right. who his voters really are. Yeah. So just I'll recall to our listeners' minds, uh, in 1972, not that long ago, right. a guy named George Wallace – won the Michigan and the Maryland primaries, and he did really well in lots of other states as a Democrat. Now, those some of those Democrats later became what are called Reagan, Reagan Democrats, right. but a lot of them just became nothing. They just became like, we're, we're not comfortable in the Republican Party, but the Democratic Party has left us, so they just haven't voted. So a a very chunk, and by the way, I'm repeating Rachel Maddow from MSNBC. This oh, is she a, talks this, about this. She, she did a whole show. Now, she happened to never mention that he was a Democrat, by the way. Okay. But, <laughs> but, you know, there is this Wallace vote out there that isn't really comfortable in either party. And um, this happened in recent years, a total racist guy running as a racist won primaries. Um, and a chunk of that heritage is falling is into the into the Trump. Uh, so that's why he yeah. says he's broadening the tent. He's bringing in. Right. He's expanding the tent. And yet, I guess nobody knows if they're real voters yet. Are they going to actually show up in any? In any of the... Because it's it's not. The, everyone talks about how hard it is to go to the caucuses, ninety nine counties, and all that stuff. But actually, in any state, even in a primary right. state, you only get a very thin number of people voting in yeah. part, partisan primaries. It's, it's it's small. The total election is actually relatively small, but primaries are even smaller. Do you do you sense that? Uh, and then we'll have to end on this. Is um, it seems like. He he can – and there's been articles about it that, that Donald – if he would just kind of play nicer, kind of smooth things over, he could win the hearts of some of the more established old-timer power well, it, it's, sources. Well, it, it's very amazing – I'll just speak personally – for a person like me to yeah. be called – establishment I know. because I don't like a guy who's a really truly establishment guy, yeah. i.e. Donald Trump. Right. So I don't know that he can play now. He is what he is. Yeah. That's, uh, there's a, uh, I think I've said this before on the show, there's a wonderful legal phrase, race ipsa locator, the thing right. speaks for itself. You, what you see with Donald at one level is what you get. And, and what that is is someone with no moorings, yeah. someone with no ideological, philosophical gyroscope. So a lot of these people are flocking to his banner because he's angry. Well, he's even said, you know, I can make deals with anybody. Yeah. And um, that's kind of scary. Yeah, and then uh, oh, I just got to ask you this because um, Hillary, he took on Hillary a couple weeks ago and I've and and the Clintons shut up. Well, they, they back. They, I mean, they hit back, but not very long. And so, in a way, it did show some people that he might be able to take the Clintons on. Right. Well, that's his main calling card. I mean, I, I think he can take everything the else. People on. are saying, "Look, okay, maybe I don't agree with on A, B, C, D, E through yeah. through Z." By the way. But I, here's what I do agree with him on. He's going to punch somebody that I don't like, and that's a lot of different people. <laughs> uh, it's not just it's not just Hillary Clinton. No. It's it's people on both sides. He's a, he's a he's, a, a, a serial. But is that how you choose your 
your leader. I'm hoping not. Yeah, that's I'm, the I'll question. finish by saying I'm hoping not. <laughs> I'm hoping, hoping he turns out to be the Howard Dean of uh, he, of uh, the two, two, 2016 election. I don't know. Dean did a lot of screaming, but I think Trump's out-screamed him in He's that awkward screaming yeah, way. Yeah. We appreciate you. Joe Cannon, uh, from C- he's the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation. Go check out the website, fuelfreedom.org. He's our Washington insider. He hates to be called that, but it's Thank the truth. Thanks, Joe. We'll take a break, folks. Uh, Come back, wrap up this first hour of the Matt Townsend Show, helping you find the good in the world and try to understand all the chaos that's going on. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. The The chaos of it all. But really... It, the vote comes down to you. So you've got to choose how you're going to be uh, seeing these candidates. What do you want for your president? Uh, what does leadership mean? Is leadership just mean the ability to take someone on? Or does leadership mean a true vision? And uh, Donald, for example, talks about the, the need to make deals. And yet, do we deal on everything? Is there something we won't deal on? Anyway, interesting questions I think all of us need to be thinking about as uh, as the elections uh, are going to be starting very quickly, very soon. So we're going to take a break. That's hour number one of the show. Come back next hour. More tools, more ideas to help you find the good in the world. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side, doing what we can on this program to give you the information you need to live a healthier, happier life. And you know what? Today we're actually going to be learning the latest research on if happiness helps you live longer. You know, people make claims, but uh, we're going to be talking to a researcher who has been researching happiness and its effect on mortality rates. It's going to be interesting what we find out here. Is being a happier person, having a happier life, does it help you live longer? We'll find out uh, from a professor of medical statistics and epidemiology from the University of Oxford. Holy cow. It's the real deal, folks. Um, we also, we got to get to this crazy story about an online shopper receives a human tumor sample instead of a Kindle in their FedEx uh, shipment. So James Potton had expected to unwrap a waterproof ebook reader when he was handed a parcel by FedEx um, delivery driver. But when he looked inside the box, he saw uh, something that was marked patient tumor specimen enclosed, which actually contained human tissue, folks. The package, which had been sent from California, was destined for the Royal Free Hospital in London, but ended up in his home in southwest England, And uh, the 37-year-old said he contacted FedEx a number of times since the mix-up, but customer service advisors insist the package contained the Kindle. Um, I've got a problem 
with my Kindle. Uh, why is it not charging properly? No, it's it looks like human tissue. It's a tumor, I think. Yeah. I think. Have you plugged it in? <laughs> I haven't plugged it in yet. Nope, nope. It looks like a tumor. It's a tumor. It's marked human specimen. Hmm. What's the uh, what's the number? What's the Check check the back of it. Take the battery out. Maybe that'll help. What do you do when somebody accidentally ships you a tumor? A tumor. Well, you set it on your table and call the local TV news. Like this guy did. Because after three days, he's like, what am I supposed to do with this? Can I just suggest refrigerate it? Hopefully you did after a while. I'd put it under ice. It's the smell after a while. Keep it in the bag. Yeah, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, don't let the kids play with it. No. Jimmy, put that down. Play tumor ball in the front yard. Do you really want that sitting next to your frozen vegetables? No, your... you actually don't. When I, when I thought of that, I'm like, yeah, I'm not putting that in my fridge or my freezer. That's where you have neighbors. Put it in an unmarked hey, bag. And I've then... got this box. I don't want you to look into it. It, it yeah. says Kindle. Uh, just kidding. My Can Kindle. You just put it in there? Can you refrigerate my Kindle? But how how frustrated when people are saying, no, it's a Kindle, ma'am. No, it's not. Ugh. Anyway, that wouldn't make you happy. No, that would be a um, – that'd be gross. <laughs> <laughs> You'd walk out in the morning. Is it still there? Oh, gross. It's on the table. While we are on the subject of body parts. Ooh. Police in South Carolina have arrested a woman they say bit off part of a Walmart worker's finger during an altercation. Ugh. Local media outlets cited a police report as stating security officials at the Myrtle Beach Walmart tried to stop a woman Sunday who they say was concealing merchandise. According to police, the woman punched one worker, then bit another worker's finger. Taze it! Perfect example when you should have brought the taser out. You need tasers. A customer tried calling 911 on her cell phone, but the woman, she couldn't because she was missing a finger. Uh, the woman took it and grabbed the customer by the hair, authorities say. Man. Police say the officer stopped the suspect after she fled to a van outside, but its path was blocked. Police say 23 year old Carolyn Wright was jailed for $51,000 and faces assault and battery charges. It's just not worth working retail anymore. No. No. I mean, Walmart announced last week they're giving their uh, associates raises. Raises, see? Now it's worth it. But it'd be a dollar or two. So they're going to have... Is that worth getting your finger bit off? No. And there is a rule. Keep your fingers away from yeah. a criminal's face. Well, you're right. That's the other side of it. Why was the Walmart associate putting their finger near the person's mouth? <laughs> they really need to check how they're uh, dealing Welcome with Welcome to customers. Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> that is sad. You just thought you were going to work, and the next thing you know, you're fighting somebody off. I'm going to bet... That erratic behavior was maybe drug-related. Could be. Story, times story was inconclusive on that. Okay, good. Some of the details left so out. Allegedly. No, we can't even add that. That part, I just made that part up. We don't know. No idea. Oh, man, what's happening? But you happening? can infer. Yeah. So whether it's, you know, getting not getting a Kindle but a, an organ shipped to you. It's, or an, just, or it's a tumor. It's not an organ. Uh, sorry, a tumor. Or going to Walmart to just pick up some food or whatever, and the next thing you know, you lose your finger. Yeah. It's rough. It's rough out there in the real world. It's crazy. Not like your life where you come in and sit in a room for three hours. Yeah. Then go take a nap for five. And then act exhausted when you're done. Like you you actually did work. I am so tired. While there's guys just outside our 
window in our newsroom that are building structures and digging massive holes next door. But we're over here like, oh, we're so tired. It's hard to sit so long. Though. We had to read for like an hour. I read like oh. I read hours and hours. <sighs> Just glad I have my fingers. That's right. All ten, I guess. Well, nine, eight, two thumbs. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Got to count the thumbs. Yeah. Thumbs are really overlooked. Well, try th- you know try throwing a ball without one. It's true. Like I mean, a a real pitch. Right. I mean, you can throw, but yeah. Hey, um, interesting, interesting news. Uh, Donald Trump, just I wanted to just update this, thinks uh, Ted Cruz is nasty. Thinks he's nasty. Not to be uh, rude. He's now calling him the Canadian. (laughs) (laughs) Which shouldn't be offensive. No, it should be, you know, badge of honor. It's where you were born. Canadia. Uh, Canadia and, Yeah. I don't even want to go there. And he, he just he says it in such a way that's a, I mean the I'm not saying this and no, then he, he no. quotes other people who yeah. are bringing this up. Apparently in Illinois there's an issue that with the Canadian question that might keep him off the ballot. Oh really? It won't, but it, it, Trump's trying to conflate it into something huge. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. It's got to be hard, but it also shows that Ted's uh, Ted was in the lead. Because yes. before he was just a and really then, good buddy, that and we, that's Ted's response is like, "Oh, looks like Trump's getting a little nervous. He's talking about me Trump's more than anybody else." And then Trump's playing it off like, "I'm doing this for America because if we elect a Canadian, and then we get this legal battle, it's just not going to be good for America." So I'm trying to stop this before it gets that far. But he, he he's using the word Canadian like it's like he's derogatory from ISIS. Yeah, well, mm. Canadians are wonderful people. I I do have a sound clip explaining why Canadians are so bad. If if you want to hear it, well, I, uh, Canadians are good. Let's hear it. I guess. What do you got? Canada. If she's born here, good God, she'll be Canadian. Take our things downstairs and get us a car to the airport. Oh my God, Jack! If our child is born here, she can't be president. Don't even say it. We're having. An American, and she will be president, no matter how ridiculous that sentence sounds. If only we were in Kenya right now, we'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> this must be. Were, were those Ted's parents? Yes. Yeah. Sure. Just go with that. We got audio from Ted's parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They thought he was going to be a girl. Really? Yeah. That's a big mistake. Eh. Can't win them all. Nope. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. That's, I mean, you know, it's, it just tells us we we we're a top notch crew. We can get audio right from, from Ted's parents. Ted's parents. That was really hard to get. By talking the way. about this exact Ted conversation before he was even born. Yeah, that's good work. That is really good work. Good job, Ben. Just doing my job. Hardly above and beyond, right there. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, Anything going on, Terry, around the rest of the world we need to worry about? Speaking of uh, Donald Trump, he believes that while the establishment is against me, leading Republicans are starting to support him because he's opposed to Ted Cruz, who is a nasty guy who can't get along with anybody. Trump also told uh, Wolf Blitzer on CNN that the comments that he made on Saturday were taken out of context. My people are so smart. And you know what else they say about my people? The polls. They say, I have the most loyal people. Did you ever see that? 
where I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? It's like incredible. Well, I wouldn't suggest that. It's totally taken out of context. Oh, man. He goes, of course I'm joking. And the purpose of that is to say people love me, you know. They want to stay with me. They're loyal. They're tired of seeing our country being pushed around and led by people that are stupid. They're tired of that. Yeah, we are. So (laughs) We're tired of all of this. Trump also says he's wary of attending Fox News Republican debate that's coming up Thursday night because Fox News anchor and moderator Megyn Kelly, quote, doesn't treat me fairly. I'm not a big fan of hers at all, Trump told CNN on Monday. Trump said that he thinks he's going to be treated unfairly. I'll do something else, but I don't think she can treat me fairly. Actually, I think she's very biased, and I don't think she can treat me fairly. He keeps saying the fairly thing. Um, he has no conflict of interest. Uh, Fox News says that Megyn Kelly has no conflict of interest, and Trump is just trying to build up the audience for Thursday night's debate, for which we thank him. Hmm. That debate, Thursday night, 9 Eastern. Sounds like he doesn't think she treats him fairly. That's kind of the idea. Weekend Blizzard Jonas. Now we're naming storms, I yeah. guess. Yeah, yeah, blizzards. Thanks, Weather Channel. Uh, Jonas may have dumped a lot of snow on the East Coast, but its economic impact may not be as ca- catastrophically dam- damaging as expected. Experts told the Associated Press Monday the estimated cost of the storm, which won't be firmed up till February, could be anywhere from $350 million to $850 million. Wow. Which is much less than the billions or, that yeah. it could have been. Jonas missed the work week, uh, should help limit the cost, whereas a weekend storm would have... Uh, a weekday storm would have targeted an area that produces $16 billion in output each day. A lack of major power outages also minimized the damages incurred. So hmm. Not as damaging. Fun, yeah. to, fun to watch on Periscope, though. <laughs> people running around in the snow like, you know. Well, I hope new. people got to relax. Well, yeah. Did yeah. you see the guy snowboarding through Times Square? No, but that'd be fascinating. There's a video. Guy in the back, he has a tow line from a, like, well, it actually ends up being, I think, an HDMI cable he was using. Oh, really? From a, tied to an ambulance? Tied to a Jeep. Wow. And it was just pulling him. He's just zipping through the streets. There's nobody out there. Cops at the end of it, like, pull him over, and they they go, yeah, we've got some people complaining, so we're just going to act like we're talking to you for a moment, and then just go on, because this is kind of cool to watch. And so he took (laughs) off. So the cops are just watching Um, a Texas grand jury investigating allegations against Planned Parenthood Gulf Coast decided again instead to indict two videographers behind the series of videos taken in 2015 that purported to show the women's health organization illegally profiting off illegal f- uh, fetal tissue donations. The Harris County grand jury indicted the two men on charges of tampering with a government record and on another charge of purchasing and selling human organs, the Houston Chronicle reports. The probe was originally called by the governor of Texas into Planned Parenthood. Wow. And instead, they instead of going after Planned Parenthood, Ugh. the evidence sent them after the videographers. Don't you hate it when, yeah, you thought you were going to get someone else indicted and then you got indicted? It's like, whoops, Ugh. what are you going to do? My bad. Um, and also, Nielsen, they, yeah. uh, they do the television ratings. Mm-hmm. They were expected to announce, this was last week, that it will begin including Facebook conversations about TV programs in its viewership metrics as part of a larger effort to accurately measure how people engage with TV. The new social content rating system will include Nielsen's Twitter TV ratings, which also track television rating conversations on the social media platform. The system will also measure programs on both traditional TV and streaming services during the time period when the show is televised. Wow. So they're incorporating social media because a lot of that has to do with the fact that we use DVRs. Yeah. And so we're not watching live. We're watching a couple days later, and then you jump on Facebook and tell all your friends about it. 
See, you know, innovation. There you go. Do we really need it? Apparently. Hey, I uh, got a great guest coming up in just a few minutes. We're going to be talking about happiness. And does it really contribute to, you know, a longer lifespan? Or, you know, does it just feel like life is less happy um, and that your life is really falling apart when you're not happy? Happiness and mortality rates, uh, there's been a lot of debate about it, and we're going to be bringing in an expert, somebody that's been researching the subject. I think you'll be interested to find out uh, the results. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you find the good in the world. Stick with us. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, for years, studies on happiness have connected stress and unhappiness with a shorter life expectancy. A new study, however, completed by the Million Woman Study in the in the UK, suggests that happiness and mortality may not be as directly correlated as we had previously thought. Sir Richard Pito, professor of medical statistics and epidemiology at the University of Oxford, joins us to talk about the study he co-authored that explored how happiness may or may not directly affect mortality. He joins us now from Oxford. Uh, welcome, uh, Mr. Pito, Sir Richard Pito. Thank you for being with us. Well, thank you. We, I love uh, this whole concept of happiness, and forever we have been hearing that you know happier people live longer. And so I'm assuming, you know, you've studied every function of that, and, and but you're finding out a little bit uh, different data on that. Talk to us about... People have just got mixed up with cause and effect. People yeah. People have got mixed up with cause and effect. The problem is that if you've got some kind of illness, some kind, especially some kind of chronic illness, then on average, you're going to be more unhappy. You're going to be on average stressed. And so the people who are unhappy or stressed because they've got some kind of illness, well, yeah, mm. they've got higher death rates. Yeah, you take somebody who's got emphysema, yeah, they're going to be unhappy and they're going to have higher death rates than people who don't have emphysema. And that's all it is. People have just got cause and effect. Mm. And it's a bizarre story because people are so set on the idea that, you know, happiness is preventing heart attacks and stress is causing heart attacks. It just isn't true if stress or unhappiness makes you do something daft like commit suicide or smoke cigarettes or drink lots of vodka, well, yeah, okay. But except for what happiness or unhappiness make you do, they don't themselves have any effects on heart attacks or mortality. Interesting. I mean, that, and that makes sense, right? I mean, that's, it, it is, it's cause-effect. Yet, in research, it's essential to separate that. Yeah, it's getting cause and effect backwards. I mean, there's a silly old joke about what's the most dangerous place in the world to be, and the answer is bed. Look at the number of people who die in bed. And a lot of this stuff about, you know, stress causing disease yeah. or unhappiness causing heart attacks, just, it's just that kind of mix-up of cause and effect. How, how did and you... A lot of things do affect disease. Right. We've asked people whether they smoked or not, and, of course, the smokers were three times as likely to die in the near future as the non-smokers were. And you did also find, when we asked people whether they were happy or not, then we found that the smokers tended to be unhappier than the non-smokers. And you've got to allow for that sort of thing. But the main thing was just reverse causality. That was the main problem. Talk about um, 
were you on from the onset of this study? Were you trying to to evaluate the causality? Did you know that that's what was going to be what you were going to find? No, we we were mo- mostly concerned with things that are really obvious causes, like you know, smoking, diabetes. You know, hormone replacement therapy can cause breast cancer, and you know, these sort of things. We were looking for the mechanical things, but we also asked other questions. Questions about what jobs people did, questions about whether they did shift work, questions about you know, and questions about whether they were happy or unhappy, because there were a lot of people who'd been claiming this, and we wanted to check out if it was true or not. Hmm. It might have been, but it isn't. Yeah. What What else did you learn? Um, did you learn any other correlations with happiness? Oh well, it, it, although it's true that you know, if in, in Britain most of the people who smoke say they wish they didn't smoke. And the people who have managed to stop, I mean, two-thirds of smokers have stopped, and the ones who have managed to stop seem to be happier than those who are still smoking. Hmm. And the, 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 the non-smokers are happiest of all, although that's quite a slight difference. The ex-smokers and the non-smokers are about the same. When it came to drink, in fact, the people who had a few drinks, one or two drinks a day, um, tended to say they were happier than the people who didn't drink at all. Huh. You couldn't really guess it. I mean, the other one was not very good for me, but that it seemed as though... It was the um, the people who had less education were more likely to say they were happy with their lives hmm. rather than the people who had a lot of education. There were some odds and ends like that. Yeah. Um, in fact, there were there were lots of different things. There were lots of differences between people who say they're happy and people who say they're unhappy, um, and you do have to allow for them. But they, they, those were sort of minor adjustments. The big thing was just this reverse causality. Illness makes you unhappy. Illness makes you die, and therefore unhappiness tends to go with death. But it's not because the unhappiness is causing death, it's because the illness is causing both of them. Yeah. I mean, I think that's essential, that, I mean, if you are ill, um, you might be less happy. Or if, if you are a smoker, maybe it's just, it just makes you feel well, different. Smoking is definitely causal. Yeah. That was the biggest thing we found in the study, actually, was the effects of smoking. We, we found that the smokers had three times the death rate of the non-smokers, they were three times as likely to die in the near future as the non-smokers were. So if the smokers had had non-smoker death rate, two-thirds of their premature deaths would have been avoided. I mean, we're all going to die eventually, but, you know, the question is, what, when do you do it? Do you do it sooner or later? Mm-hmm. What? So the, smoking was, the other thing we got that was quite nice was stopping smoking. We found, you know, given how bad smoking is, you need to think that if you smoked until you were 30 or 40 and then stopped, then you'd be pretty wrecked. But surprisingly... If you actually stop before 40, preferably well before 40, you'd avoid more than 90% of the risk of getting killed by tobacco. You know, stopping works, but you need to do it before you've got some serious disease. Right. You could stop before 30, you'd avoid 97% of the risk. So the big effects were smoking kills, stopping works. Um, but then there were various other odds and ends. There's some... Oh, it... The other funny one was one, one that it was definitely set out to check was all this stuff from 20 years ago about whether the contraceptive pill causes cancer. There are all these claims, you know, people are talking about the cancer-causing little pill, and just right. it's true. What we actually found was that the people who used the pill were a bit less likely to get cancer, and they were a bit less likely to die from cancer because being on the pill for, say, five or ten years, and ten years or so, could halve your risk of getting cancer of the ovary or cancer of the womb, you know, the lining of yeah. the womb where the baby grows. And, you know, those things, those protective effects carry through 
middle and old age. Oh. So what we actually found was that the, far from being a cause of cancer, the contraceptive pill was somewhat protective against cancer, which again was, you know, you don't know until you look. But the study was big. It was more than a million women. So yeah, that's it, huh? Results. So then you can, I guess, go in and, and start uh, doing a lot of other work with that with that oh, yeah. study. Yeah. Yeah, and you get hazards that are well-known, like if you're too fat, then you, know, you get really fat, and then you're more likely to drop dead, or you're more likely to get diabetes, and things like that. But I, th- I think a lot of the findings were much what you'd expect overall in Britain and in America. People are living longer than they were. People are in better health than they were. You know, compared with 10 years ago, there's less premature death than there was. If compared with 50 years ago, there's less premature death than there was. So overall, things are getting better. And most things don't kill you. There are a few things that are really big killers. Hmm. I mean, number one in Britain and America would be tobacco. And then among the non-smokers, number one would be if you're obese. Yeah. Or if you... But it's it, it's fine, and it just lots and lots of things that people claim are true aren't true. There's all kinds of claimed benefits from various vitamins and health foods. They're probably mostly not true. There's these claimed benefits from happiness. Well, you know, it's all right being happy. Yeah, it's quite fun. But it's <laughs> not probably going to kill you. It's not going to produce eternal life. Yeah, it, but it's interesting because we it's almost like we want to believe it, right? We we want yes, to believe the happiness it's, myth. It's an urban myth. And even though we've got really clear evidence that the scientists who claim this is a real protective effect are wrong, it will still go on being believed. In fact, I bet you most of your listeners who hear this now will think, oh, well, that's what they've found, but still, yeah. I believe that happiness reduces, improves your health. I believe that stress makes your health worse. Well, if it doesn't make you smoke or commit suicide or do something stupid, then okay. Yeah. It, 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 they're wrong. But it, I don't think that this study will actually change them. I think it just suits people to believe these things. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, it probably doesn't harm them to believe these things either. Well, and I guess there's the placebo effect too, right? I mean, if I think of vitamins helping me, short of it actually killing me, I guess it's helping me. No, no. no you're only thinking it's helping you. Yeah, it's true. That's right. It's placebo. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean... I think the placebo effect is something else. The placebo effect is mostly that if you give anybody any pill and say, but you know, this pill could cause stomach upsets and this pill could cause muscle aches. Now, then you ask them a month or two, did you have any stomach upsets or did you have any muscle aches? Mm. Yes, yes. But if you give, you know, a real pill with some medicine in it or a dummy pill and the medicine is something that has no effect on them, stomach pains or muscle aches, then you'll find the same number in the ones who took the medicine and the ones who took the dummy pill. But if you gave the medicine on its own and then just asked people, you'd say, oh, yes. Or if you gave the dummy pills on their own and just asked people, did it cause upset? Oh, yes. So... Yeah, that's... Yeah, that makes more sense. suggestibility. So if you want to find out what drugs are really doing, you sometimes have to use dummy pills. You know, take the real, real drug versus dummy drug. And that's what they did with aspirin when they showed that aspirin could protect against heart attacks. They gave either real aspirin or dummy pills that look like aspirin and yeah the heart attacks were genuinely reduced well and when we're dealing with mortality rate it seems like you gotta shoot straight right we don't want a lot of myth 
in the concept of what's going to kill you. That's right. I think that is true, that if you've got, you know, dozens and dozens of things that are supposed to make you more healthy or less healthy, then you may worry less about the things that really matter. I mean, for a smoker, for example, I mean, if the smokers have got three times the death rate of the non-smokers, then you don't want smokers believing that what really matters is stress or worry or vitamin pills or, you know, so, you know, they, they ought to be real, mm-hmm. true, and, you know, make their own choice, but you know, at least get, get straight, get the numbers straight. Yeah, and focus focus on your biggest threat. Yeah, with, that's right. Which but is tobacco or right obesity. Now. Because one thing, of course, the biggest threat of all, of course, is old age. Eventually you get old and if you die, everybody dies. And speaking as an old statistician, I noticed <laughs> that for people in good health, one of the things that actually went with happiness was being older. We didn't have very old people in this study. We had them up to about 60 or 70. And, you know, the older ones, if they were in good health, were more likely to say they were happy than the younger ones. You know, mm. maybe life gets a bit more peaceful when you reach later middle age compared with what it's like when you're younger. It's kids swarming all over the place. Yeah. I mean, that's and that's counterintuitive. I was at a funeral this weekend and I thought, I mean, I start, th- I'm 45, 46, and I'm like, man, I'm getting old. But then you you have other people that are old that are in their seventies and eighties and they're they feel very good and they're healthy and they're positive and and upbeat. It's that's interesting finding that uh, you don't have to feel old just because you are getting old. Well, that was true. If, if you're in good health, that is, if yeah. you're in good health. But you know, you know, bad health. You know, being sort of limited, being disabled. You know, that just gets people down. It really does get people down. I mean, that was the thing that was really driving unhappiness answers. Um, but, yeah, you know, older people, there was another one we found that, you know, if you sleep about seven, eight hours a night, they tended to be happier than the ones who slept nine hours a night and happier than the ones who slept only five or six hours a night. Huh. There's all sorts of odds and ends. You know, happiness, as I say, lots of things go with happiness. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> well, I think it's, I think <laughs> it it's fascinating. One way or another, it doesn't save you, it doesn't kill you. Yeah. But it does make you happy. Right. And, and yet, and like other things you found, drinkers, a couple of glasses of uh, of alcohol a day might make you happier. Um, yeah, one or two drinks. Yeah, the, the, the ones who had one or two drinks tended to say they were happier than the ones who didn't drink at all. But as I say, the ones who were smoking tend to say they were unhappier than the ones who didn't smoke at mm-hmm. all. So it's, it's not automatically that, you know, doing these things is going to go with happiness or unhappiness. And those two went in opposite directions. What's your view on your, your finding about education? Why would those with less education be happier? I mean, it makes sense in a way. I, I don't know. I really don't know. But it was it was quite interesting. If it had been the other way around, you know, if the ones with more education said they were happier, I'd have thought, well, yeah, okay, I'd sort of expected that. Yeah. But in fact, it was the ones who sort of left school without any qualifications, who presumably were just working unskilled jobs. They tended to say they were happier than the ones who got university degrees. It wasn't a big difference, but it was real. Huh. And, and <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's fascinating, especially when today everyone's questioning, you know, whether we should get educations or not. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah. Now they're, you wait. Now this data is going to start showing. See? No, you don't need an education. I better not let my kids find this out. Okay. They're going to yeah, want well, to... Don't, don't tell them to ask they're educated. That's right. too late. I'm going to keep the myth alive. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, we appreciate it. This is great stuff. Again, uh, Sir Richard Pito, thank you so much for your great work, and um, keep up the study. I'd love to find out more when you, when you continue to dive into the data. 
So I'll just correct you, actually, the real lead on this study was Professor Valerie Burrell, you know, but I've been working with her as a statistician on it, and so she and various others were the ones who actually made this thing happen. Oh, that's but great. Anyway, yeah, I'll, I'll take credit for it. Yeah, and pass much. it along to them, too. Thank you, Thank Sir, you. Sir Richard Pito. We appreciate you from Oxford University. Man, interesting information about happiness, folks. What you might think drives your happiness might be a myth. And your mortality, right? So happiness, uh, according to the researchers, not a direct correlation to your mortality rate. However, if, you're, if you've got an illness and a sickness that's killing you, that's probably more the likelihood of what's driving your happiness or your mortality, right? Your sickness, not necessarily your happiness level. You can be going through a traumatic event, not happy, and... Uh, It'll it'll lower. It's not the the sickness will impact your uh, mortality, not necessarily your mood. We'll take a break, folks. Come back. Uh, do a little coach's corner. Uh, when we come back, we'll be talking about mourning with those that mourn. What are some uh, healthier, maybe happier ways of uh, helping those people who have lost somebody near and dear to them? This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Stick with us. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, uh, been out for a couple days uh, as my mother-in-law had uh, has just passed away um, from a 14-year battle with Alzheimer's and wanted today in the Coach's Corner to talk a little bit about uh, mourning with those that mourn. You know, there there's a really powerful thing that I saw happen, uh, just this... I don't know what you call it. It's it's an experience um, as you as you kind of get deeper into mourning for somebody that you love. There's there's a lot of healing that can take place. There's also a lot of uncomfortable experiences that you, you need to process. So I wanted on the show to take a minute and just share with you some of the things that I've learned um, by just you know talking to the people that were there at the funeral. And uh, and kind of processing some of the things that I learned. W- when you think about it, I guess most of us aren't really comfortable, and it's probably your evolution, right? You've evolved. Each of us have evolved to maybe have a little bit of an aversion to a dead body. Um, there, it's it's awkward. It's weird. Um, it's scary for some. We we had the chance, and my wife and I had many discussions about. Do we want the kids to see grandma in her last few hours or minutes when she doesn't – she's not quite who she is? And um, in the end, we we took our children and it was beautiful. It was very healing, uh, sad, very sad. And yet um, I think it was healthy. It was healthy for our kids to be able to process what's going on with grandma and and, and how we handle it, how you actually mourn. With those that mourn, and so uh, some things I learned. This is from all of the people that were that stepped up, that kind of walked us through the process of this. I mean, it's amazing. Some people are really, really good at mourning and being there for you. Others, you can tell, are just very uncomfortable, and they just 
they want to get away. So first rule of mourning with those that mourn is to lead with your heart, not your head. I noticed that many times um, my heart would tell me I need to go do something, you know, maybe go reach out and talk to somebody across the room, uh, maybe go, you know, hold one of my kids and talk to them. But my head sometimes would get in the way. And I, and I know, too, when other people around me have lost somebody, my head says, ah, you don't want to get in their way. You know, it's family time. Just stay out of the way. But my heart kept saying, oh, no, you really ought to go visit him. You ought to go take him something. So can I just suggest, as you, as you might be going through this or others around you might be have, maybe have lost somebody close to them, lead with your heart, not your head. And a great example why is um, as my mother-in-law was kind of hanging on to life, you know, she she was she wasn't there anymore um she she was basically in a in a kind of a a coma i guess you could call it non-responsive and you know a lot of us felt like oh we need to be there we probably ought to be there and we ought to take care of her and and be by her side and um and others were were much more kind of practical about it just go get your sleep and come back and and we'll start again tomorrow let's Let's just – you don't need to sit by her side. Well, one of my mother-in-law's great friends uh, basically against almost not the wishes but the suggestion of um, certain family members ended up just deciding to go visit and brought a bedroll, brought a kind of a sleeping bag to sleep or a blanket to sleep on. And she was going to sleep next to my dying mother-in-law. And and just felt prompted. And she went with her heart and just showed up to go be there and um, was there the moment that my mother-in-law passed. And it was beautiful. She got to hold her hand. She got to talk to her and and just, you know, tell her it's it's OK. And the family's there. And and then after my mother-in-law passed, she she um, she called family to to come over. And, and let us know. But it, the f- interesting thing is the woman wouldn't have been there if she hadn't followed her heart because the head of other people, much more practical heads, were like, ah, don't worry about it. She's she's fine. And, and so in the end, sometimes people go more with their head and that might lead to more regrets. So follow your heart. And it worked. And I talked to this wonderful woman and for this wonderful woman, she's so grateful she did because it gave her an incredible opportunity to uh, to to basically be where she needed to be at the right time. Uh, a great example of this, too, I had been out of the country for two years when I was about 20 or 19 to 21 serving an LDS mission and was in Argentina. When I arrived home, I was exhausted. I was so tired. And the next day I spoke in church and um, – was really tired and wanted to go to just take a nap. I just wanted to take a nap and then I'll I'll go start visiting everyone I needed to visit with. But I had my heart telling me, oh, you really need to go visit. You need to go talk to the neighbors across the street because they had sent money for me to go on this mission and they were so wonderful. And I got this prompting. I need to go visit them. And I thought, okay, yeah, I'll just, let me just, I'll just take a nap and then I'll go visit them. Well, I went downstairs, took a nap in my house, came up about three hours later 
um, recovering from jet lag, basically. And my mom said, oh, I can't believe you slept through all that racket with all the fire trucks and the paramedics and everything. And I thought, what? Yeah. And then she just told me that one of the, the couple had just passed away. And I thought, ah, oh, I missed an opportunity to follow my heart and be where I needed to be for someone. Now, my head made sense. Just go take a nap. They'll be here in a few hours. But my heart will tell me what to do that's right for me to do in the moment. So when somebody around you is suffering, follow your heart, not necessarily your head. Another rule, stay close, yet give them space. So that's a paradox, right? We want to stay close to these people that are suffering so that they know so that we can be there to help them. You can't help somebody you're not close to. It's hard, you know, they, you got to get in and, and get in their life. But you also want to give these families some space. So you don't want to be in, you don't want to be knocking on the door every minute. So what I found, and I found this with people that were around us, they would they would contact us. They'd say, they you know, initial contact. I'm so sorry about your loss. She's such a great woman. They'd give us information so they they know that we had connected with them. Then they might leave us alone for a day, and then they might bring us something the next day. Uh, they might bring us breakfast. A lot of people end up bringing us dinner, right? They'd bring us something, maybe a gift, maybe a treat. We were making sweet rolls and we thought of you guys. So here's some sweet rolls for breakfast. And then they just kind of get in and out um, so that they were close enough to be with us and ask us what we needed and be there to help serve us. But then they'd, they'd leave. And then they might send us flowers the next day. So there's a way to stay close to people without being in their space. And a lot of those ways might just simply being mailing something, sending a letter, you know, commenting on a Facebook comment, um, whatever you have. But stay close to people so that they know they have a community. One of the number one things that helps us heal faster are communities, families, friends, people around us, people that matter. Um, Also, another tool, be real to help heal. A lot of times we do not know what to say at these funerals. We do not know what to say. So we end up saying the dumbest things. We really do. We we talk about, you know, a cruise. Oh, your family needs to go on a cruise. Take all of the money and go on the cruise. <laughs> okay. We'll go on a cruise now. Or we end up commenting um, – or talking about something else, doing something more transactional. Oh, hey, I've been meaning to talk to you about this. I mean, I know we're at a funeral but of your family member, but I just wanted to bring up this. Um, remember that to be real means if, you, if, you've, if you're hurting because of the loss of somebody, be willing to be hurting. Cry. If you don't know what to say, say, I don't know what to say here. You could just share experiences. Sharing experiences are great. Share your lessons that you learned. That's what I found. So many people had so many beautiful stories about my mother-in-law. And just hearing the stories helped me heal. But I wanted to see real stories with real emotion. Sometimes if you have a trite phrase that you always use, we're so sorry for your loss. I mean, that's great. I appreciate that. Um but I've kind of found that you, you almost can't know what to say to somebody that's grieving until you're standing in front of them, right? You need to be able to, to see it. 
I've also been to funerals where I've heard people say, oh, he looks great. That guy, he looks great. And honestly, I used to crack a ton of jokes about that because, you know, he looked better before he was dead. But then – and so this is why it has to be real. At my, my, at my mother-in-law's funeral, she honestly looked better than she had looked for years. She looked like the, the same old Merrily. So if it's real, you can say she looked great. If she didn't look great and she looked fake and you're saying that because you don't know what else to say, you're going you're gonna to get caught. And it's not going to seem real. And if it doesn't seem real, then I've just found people have a harder time healing because now I've got to make up for the fact that you don't know what to say here and you're making this really awkward for all of us. So I'd also be really careful about advising people. I wouldn't really advise somebody at a funeral, you know, but you might because what are you advising them? What you need to do. Have you have you have you looked into their insurance yet? You need to go look at their insurance. <sighs> not saying there's not a time and a place to bring that up. But if someone's expressing, I don't even know how I'm going to pay for this funeral. You know this funeral costs $10,000 or whatever. Y- you may not want to start advising. You might want to say, let me look into it. You don't worry about that. Let me go look into that. And I'll come back in a couple days and I'll help you figure it out. Right? Give them some space, but be real. Be real. Uh, another tool that I found is don't ask if you can help. How about this one? Just go help. Some of the great, because if you're asking me, hey, can I help? Even if I needed help, I might not ask you to help. I'd rather pretend like I can do this by myself. Um, but it might be more, it might be easier if you just helped. We had people that didn't even ask if they could bring us a meal. They just called us 10 minutes before saying, we're bringing you a meal. And you don't have to eat it today. You can freeze it. It's great to freeze, but we're bringing you a meal. And it was like awesome. We ate so much great food. If people would ask, can I help? Uh, No, we're good. We're good. Uh, You might also just know uh, some people – you know, it's just easier for you to serve. So just serve. Some of us I know are really busy too, so we want to help. I'm not questioning if your intent is good. I know you'd help, but, you know, don't ask. Because a lot of times too, I don't know what I need help with. But if you notice that my walks need to be shoveled, just shovel them. I'm not going to go take the snow and throw them back on my sidewalks. Just just do it. Just serve. And by the way, that goes along with life anyway. If you see somebody needs help, serve them. Uh, Another rule that I learned is permit these new losses to reconnect old friendships. I found that a lot of people come out of the woodwork at funerals, and it really is a great chance to reconnect friendships. So you could see the the loss of someone dear to you. It's going to bring out a lot of people from the past. It might even help you heal some, some relationships. And men, some of them. A lot of stories of old friendships were renewed. It was amazing to me how many people came to the funeral just for my wife. I had never really thought of that, that a lot of times the, the funeral wasn't even just for my mother-in-law. 
But the viewing and all of those other activities, my wife got to see a lot of her friends. So there's power in that as well, folks. Everybody, I hate to tell you this, we're all apparently going to die. At some point, at some time, we're all going to to pass away. And when we do, some basic rules. And we can all be there for each other. Let's lead with our hearts, not our heads. Let's stay close to those that are mourning, but give them space. Let's learn to be real uh, and 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 to help heal through our through being real. Let's also maybe not ask as much if we can help, but just help. And let's allow these losses to help reconnect and uh, find old friendships and old feelings that were so good and positive. That's the coach's corner. Uh, great lessons. And I'm telling you, talk about the good in the world. It's there. When you lose somebody dear to you, close to you, I'm telling you, a lot of people come out of the come out of the woodwork to help and to to heal. So appreciate all those that did for my mother-in-law, for my wife, uh, for our family. It was a beautiful, beautiful experience. That's hour number two of the show, folks. We're going to take a break, come back, give you more ideas, more tools to help you find the good in the world. This is The Matt Townsend Show. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Top of the morning to you. It's Tuesday morning. It's weird. I was out Monday, but it's as being Tuesday, I feel like, man, I'm almost halfway through this week. So does that cause happiness? Mm-hmm. It leads definitively to a happier you. Yes, it does. When you're halfway through your week before your week started. Yes. Okay. I I really feel strongly we should only work four days a week, but get the same pay. Okay. My, my high school was too poor to have five day a week school, so <clears throat> man, my sophomore year we yeah. only had four days a week. Really? Yeah. Was it the same length of time, or did you go a little longer? No, it was the same length, same school day. It seems like you would have learned. You would have lost twenty percent of your learning. But that was in Hawaii, right? Yeah. So why didn't you just charge tourists more? Well, he was. Young. I'm sure they thought about that. And then you could support the education system. Just charge the tourists more. I mean, they're on the island. They can't really go anywhere. Look at you. Captive audience. Just more more traffic tickets. Yeah. Just take it home. Do whatever you need to do. Raise money. He was a fifth grader for crying out loud. He didn't know. (laughs) He didn't know. That's why he – that's why he – that's why he's big into ice cream now. I was was just grateful for the four-day – Call it the pineapple tax. Oh, okay. Speaking of pineapples, um, I just put on some lip balm – Okay. Tastes like coconut. So how did the pineapples transition to lip balm and coconut? I have no idea. Okay. But I just made I just forced a transition. It was awkward. Good job. Pina colada. I've got a little pina colada on my lips. All right. And I'm feeling fresh. <laughs> hey, here's something for you that uh, you may not have um known. Take out the papers and the trash. Um if you're going to rob the bank, you might not want to use a stick. A woman, uh, in what way? 
A woman allegedly walked into a Bank of America in San, San Pedro, Pedro, Monday morning, sauntered up to the teller and handed over a note demanding cash. Police reports say she claimed to have a gun in her pocket, and in one hand she wielded a stick. So she brought a gun in her pocket and a stick. You know, if you were going to rob a bank, you'd think that you'd brandish the gun, not the stick. You wouldn't need both, right? Or called me old-fashioned. Okay. Maybe you would. Yeah. Personally, I think having a stick shows you didn't have a gun. Anyway, the teller didn't give her anything. Just said, take your stick and get out of here, lady. So she fled the scene, was nabbed by cops a few blocks away with her stick in her hand. And, uh, in fact, we have a new – I have a new invention that a lot of people don't know about. I – you know, Tasers R Us. I'm, I'm working with a company called Tasers R Us to rebrand. And uh, here's one of our branding jingles. Taste it. Beautiful. Don't you think, Ben? It's like the renaissance of tasers. What? Yeah. The renaissance of tasers. We're bringing them back. They've never really gone anywhere. Ben proposed a really great idea of a taser coming out of some ashes and turning into like a phoenix. A oh, wow. fiery... That, that's so for our for first commercial. Yeah. Mar- your marketing campaign is is forming. Well, as tasers we speak. Have, years ago, tasers got a bad name. For what? It just people like don't tase me, bro. Oh, right, right, right. And uh, I, you know, but we hear of all these shootings, so I'm like, get rid of the guns. Did that guy get tased? I think he was getting tased in a courtroom, wasn't he? Like, don't tase me, bro. It was at some gathering. He was heckling somebody. But instead, I want, I'm trying to create like a renaissance, a rebirth of tasers. Tase it. A renaissance. Bring them back because somehow they've gone somewhere. Yeah. I don't think they've gone anywhere. I think there's plenty of people aware of tasers. People are using tasers. Not enough. But our taser is different. Our tasers has a grippy – it's a grippy handle taser. Okay. Is it uh, the kind of taser that launches prongs into somebody? We've or got do you both. Have to, like, we've got both. Actually we're, physically we're stick We're also it? trying to engrave people's names in them so they're more oh. per- personable. What could be more okay. personal than a personally engraved taser? Like mom <laughs> Okay. thinking about you. Here's a taser. You light up my life. Love, Matt. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, in fact, our producers, they're going off the shelf. They're buying our tasers left and right. Uh, Kaylee bought one that was bedazzled. Ooh. Is it, so we're going to have a bedazzled taser line? Um, we've got like a lot of like comic book character tasers for adults. Cool stuff. We, we thought of you when we made oh, those. Yeah. Yeah. That works. I mean, I've, I've got Captain America on, on enough products. I don't need them on a taser, but we've got a kinder. We, we have one we call the kinder gentler taser. What, what, what makes it kind? Well, it starts at a lower voltage. <laughs> Does it build up? It builds up. So if okay. you have like a bad knee, you could start on the knee okay. and just actually do some therapy. So you're looking at this as therapeutic, not self defense. Well, it still hurts like a mother. Taste it. 
Is there yeah. alternate alternate uses for tasers? Most of the time they're used for, you know, bad guy, want to get him away from me, an intervention in a yeah. bad situation. Well, Police we, use them in, as an alternative to shooting is, people. There's a really interesting thing we've been trying to study um, about uh, games, like table games, family games. We have a game called Spin the Taser. <laughs> it's not like Russian roulette. It's kind of <laughs> like Russian roulette. Okay. <laughs> and you just don't know if, if you'll be tased. But it's super fun. Mm. Uh, but we're it's still it's still on the drawing table. We're still trying to figure it out. I mean, the aid kids. Yeah, what, what, it's what it's hard the, to get test subjects for it. I know. What would be the age? Like, well, right now we're just trying up, college seven students. Seven and up? Yeah. Oh, just college students? Yeah. More of an adult-oriented because mm-hmm. you're trying to physically yeah. shut someone's nervous system down? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's okay. what the government said. It had to be over 18. Yeah, you know product safety yeah understood they, you know what nobody ruins our testing more than the federal government, the federal government. Yeah. <laughs> they got all these rules you can't use it on human subjects whatever anyway uh just be looking for it it's out there uh you know we're going to be raising some money too so anyway not to, i don't want to use the show for my own personal gain but uh you just did I just did. I'm going to be a millionaire. Hey, anything going on around the world we need to pay attention to? There is. Thanks, Matt. At the CNN Iowa Democratic Town Hall on Monday, Senator Bernie Sanders said his campaign is touching a nerve with the American people. Why is it that our campaign has created the kind of momentum that it has? I think we are touching a nerve with the American people who understand that establishment politics is just not good enough. We need bold changes. We need a political revolution. When asked what democratic socialism means to him, Sanders responded that in its essence, we cannot continue to have a government dominated by the billionaire class and a Congress that continues to work for the interest of the people on top while ignoring working families. What this campaign is about and what I believe in is creating a government that works for us, all of us, and not just a handful of people on the top. That's right. He's on to something. But then he starts applying his programs, and people are like, wait a second. Hold it. Who's going to pay for this? Hold the horses. So he's uh, he's closing in on Hillary. They're, they're pulling data in uh, Iowa is very close. In New Hampshire, he has a, he has a lead. Does but that, he, yeah. That's his home home court, too. Yeah. So we Just not to brag, but he does have one of our tasers. He does. He's yeah. a, he and his people. He's a Matt Taser fanatic. Because we haven't received it back. A conservative so. political action committee, or a PAC, an mm-hmm. arm of the Leadership Project for America has released an issue matrix to help undecided voters focus on choosing a leader who is able to govern. In their own words, the Leadership Project for America Leadership Matrix spells out 10 characteristics of what makes a great leader. The matrix involves ranking American exceptionalism, national security, consistency, and ethics, among other conservative values. The results? Yeah, the results? Donald Trump scored yeah. an F. Oh. It seems really. This conservative group makes well, a matrix of conservative values well, and scored, says Donald Trump got an F. Who scored the A? Uh, overall, in his reporting, it says low marks in ethics, visibility, or viability, and principles. Democrats Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders also earned Fs, which oh, isn't surprising for no. the conservative criteria. Although Sanders still managed to earn the highest possible score in ethics and principles. Oh, great. Marco Rubio had the highest grade of any of the candidates at an A+, with his biggest strength in communication, principles, national security, no word on thirstiness. I'm going to yeah, I'm going to go with the fact that that pack might be backing 
Mr. Rubio. No way. No, it might be. That's kind of what I thought, too. Yeah, I think but they went A-minus to keep it oh, on yeah, the down I, mean, I don't want to look like I'm totally Jeb Bush, like Ted Cruz followed with B grades while the rest of the party dropped off from there. Hmm. A lo- two lawsuits filed in federal court alleged that Disney, along with two global consulting businesses, colluded to break the law by using temporary H-1B visas to hire immigrants to replace American workers, according oh, to a report boy. in the New York Times. Okay. Two Americans, Leo Perino and uh, Dana Moore, were laid off by Disney and forced to train their foreign replacements. They filed similar lawsuits. Both complainants uh, seek class action suits. This marks the first time Americans have gone to federal court to sue both the outsourcing companies that brought in immigrants and the U.S. company that contracted with those companies. Mm. Last January, Disney laid off uh, laid off uh, sparked backlash after many of the American workers had to train the foreigners that they were tra- that they were being replaced by. Interesting. And those the U.S. workers that were being replaced wouldn't get their uh, severance pay unless they trained their replacements. Oh wow! And so they kind of took you know that's some bad press right there. Offense at that. So we'll see what happens. Hmm. Also, um, this is kind of out there brewing. I thought it was kind of funny. Atlanta rapper, yeah, B O B, Bob, Bob. It's B dot O dot. Okay, B O B sounds better than Bob. B O B. In dozens of tweets over the last few days, has passionately defended what appears to be a genuine belief that the world is flat. And says sheeple. Yeah. Sheep plus people. Sheep plus people who believe otherwise have been deceived by Freemason fraudsters like Pythagoras and Galileo. (laughs) He says a lot of people are turned off by the phrase flat earth, but there's no way you can see all the evidence and not know. Grow up. Wow. Evidence such as pictures of flat horizons and arguing that if the world were round, Airplanes would fly straight into outer space if they didn't constantly oh, adjust well, their duh. course. That's <laughs> a great point. He also says, all of which led astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson, you've heard of him, yeah, yeah, to jump into the fray with a tweet that said, being five centuries regressed in your reasoning doesn't mean we all can't still like your music, he tweeted. Uh, there was some response this morning. There was a diss track from <laughs> B.O.B. about Neil's deGrasse Tyson. Oh, so boy. he created a rap. Yeah. Calling out Neil deGrasse Tyson yeah. for being part of the problem. Oh, yeah. He's a liar. A growing number of people claim to believe the Earth is flat, though the movement can't agree whether Antarctica is a continent or a wall of ice that keeps people from falling off the edge of the world. Hmm. Well, you know what? <laughs> I'm glad someone's on it. They're on top of this. Because, yeah. You don't want this lie to continue. <laughs> this is the show where we give you the information you need. <laughs> flat Earth. B dot O dot. B dot. It's pretty good. That sounds weird. I've got a few of his uh, his tunes. Has he seen any of the space shuttle shots? He thinks they are created by the federal government to uh, trick us. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Has he? Has he? Did he make a collage? One of his big questions is why is NASA part of the Department of Defense? Great point. Great point. Just saying. I think it's because they they send up rockets. That's one of his lyrics in the oh, d- the diss track he sent out. Interesting. <laughs> well, folks, rest assured, the rapper B O B, he's on the case, fixing the flat Earth or uh, you know advocating for the flat Earth theory. Uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, our bomb mom will be here. Julie K Nelson will be joining us from the website a spoonful of you know, when she comes, we always learn the in, the out of our kids, how to better 
parent. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. In studio with us is the bomb mom, the child whisperer, we call her, Julie K. Nelson. And friend of Matt Townsend. And F-O-M-T. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that really weird. BFF. Uh, hey, um, you also have a website called aspoonfulofparenting.com. Two books, Parenting with Spiritual Power and Keep It Real and Grab a Plunger, 25 Tips for Surviving Parenthood. So, and you have, you're a mom of how many kids? Six? Oh, I don't know. I lose track. I bet you didn't. Uh-huh. You have one getting married. I had one get married. And, um... Where have I been? Yeah. You did too. I think I we're on the same track. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm a grandparent now. Uh-huh. And I'm very close to be. It's the coolest thing uh-huh. in the world. Oh, they're cute. Uh-huh. Hey, um, you wanted to talk about parenting and um, gut flora. Yeah. It kind of goes together. It's a little jingle. But when I say it gut flora, good. I get a little sick in my yeah. belly. Well, here's the thing. You already are sick. Every time I call on the radio, yeah. you just look and sound like you've got a cold. What do you mean look? What do you mean? You look a little like um, you're not feeling well. well. Yeah. Do I you're look run like- down. Well, part of that is because I'm run down. You are run down. And my husband right now is run down. Is he? He's been sick for like a month. What's his gut flora like? Uh, not good. <laughs> and, uh, you know, every, every sign tells me he's sicker than, yeah. yeah. He's taken off work. His boss is sick. Who's not sick in January? Like December is the month for holidays. January yeah. is the month to be sick. Yeah. Yeah, isn't it? Not me. I January was the month for funerals for me, but I'm now. They I, were really sick. They, they, were, they really, were really sick. I'm very healthy now. Uh, are you good? I am good. I'm glad I mean, to hear I, it. I, I feel like I am. It's just mine's always been sleeping. Yeah, but I think it's. I don't think my sleeping has anything to do with my gut flora. But correct me. It, it doesn't really, but it could contribute to the stress. What do you mean? What? Okay, here's this gut thing. flora. Okay, here it is. You have. 25 feet of coiled tubing down at the bottom of past your stomach. This is basically an ecosystem. Okay. You don't even know it's there that exists that resembles like a rainforest in diversity. Is that what's hanging over my belt? Mm, uh, Could be over or under. I can't really tell at this moment, but it's one of those places. Yeah, okay. Your whole intestinal system is this magnificent place that regulates your body. And there's 100 trillion microorganisms in your gut. Doing a little dance. Okay? Yeah. So parents, especially new parents out there, you're kind of hypersensitive to keeping your baby's world sanitized, which means you limit the good bacteria that comes in as well as the bad. Right. What they digest, you know. And good health, you know, good bacteria is actually good for your health, you know. It's it's good. It's good to have some little bit of germs here and there yeah. coming in because that's that – those microorganisms. Like my here. daughter's always worried when people are touching her baby's hands. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I mean, I know new parents. You know, you just have to do a little bit of the. You know, they come into the hospital, yeah. sanitize, and wash your hands before yeah. you. But eventually, we got to let up. Let them play in the dirt. They're, they're gonna, they're gonna crawl on the floor. Sure. And I mean, remove the pennies and sharp yeah. objects, but but chew the gum under the table. Exactly. Sure. Speaking of gum. Yeah. So. We were on a trip. I had like a three-year-old. One of my kids were three-year-olds. I remember this distinctly. It was Rachel. We're going to, you know, a bathroom. We have to do a stop. Yeah. But usually we plan the stops at sanitary places, sure. you know, with reputable places with real bathrooms. Mm-hmm. This was an emergency stop, right, because the child can't hold it. 
So we just pull into some random place. You know the sketchy, oh, sketchy. This, yeah, this is where you make memories. This is where you ask for the key from the guy and you go around to the back. And, and it's you, connected I, to a tire. <laughs> Yeah. And you have to share the same bathroom. Yeah. There's no toilet paper in there. And I'm just like, kids, just hold your breath and just get out of there as fast as you can. Well, I put my three-year-old back in her little car seat, right? And then a little while later, I'm noticing she's chewing gum. Uh... And she won't fess up because she knows I don't let, normally let her have gum. Yeah. Usually, you know, preschoolers don't just chew, they swallow. Yeah, right. So I don't usually give her gum, so she wouldn't tell me. But later on down the trip, we found out. I'm like, where did you get that gum? Uh... In that, remember that place we stopped that bathroom? I found it. And I'm just – I'm getting sick. I'm getting sick thinking was it on the floor? Was it on the toilet seat? Was it near the garbage can that didn't someone miss? Oh. My son did that. But he he just brought over a big gulp uh-huh. like when he was three, four, uh-huh. carried it over. From where? The garbage, I had no can, idea. garbage can. We were at an amusement park and he's carrying some. He's like, sweet. Look, someone left five ounces in this cup. And it was like Dr. Pepper or whatever and it had a cigarette butt in it. <laughs> See? So that's roughage. where his nicotine problem started. I, I, always, I, always, I always say that's roughage. <laughs> and so I just want to let everyone know that Rachel is pro- arguably one of the most healthy of well, my of children course. right now. She's 19, n- hardly ever sick. You know, every child needs to digest about – Does she still chew gum? Yes, but not ABC gum anymore. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. good. But every child needs to digest about 10 pounds of dirt by the time they're 8 years old just to survive in this world. Wow. Uh, besides boogers, maybe the only green food they ever eat. Oh. Yeah, it's organic after But see, all. this is – but our gut needs this. It does. So don't rush to your hand sanitizers after I tell you this disgusting okay. stuff, people. I have to report that everyone is going to be just fine having a little germs here and there. Yeah. It makes them robust. And you don't want to be like all hyper crazy with your first child. You know, usually with your first child, you're a little more vigilant. But by your third, fourth, fifth child, you're like, oh, the pacifier fell on the floor. I don't know. The dog licked it. Whatever. Yeah, you whatever. Know, lick fine. it. Moms just lick it then. And those are healthy kids. They really mm-hmm. are. No, they really are. They really are. So our bodies are made up of basically this microflora. Microflora, right? Got microflora. Microflora. Okay. In our digestive systems, microflora is a fancy name for what we say is bacteria, viruses, fungi, germs. Germs. They all live happily other. They, they coexist like a little multicultural community. But having, these these aren't killing you. You have millions of these all over all your body. Over, and they're they're inside and outside, but they're especially down in your gut. And we call this a bi a microbiome. Okay. Like this. Yeah, like, you have a biome. That bio, like this rainforest. Mm-hmm. And they're all in there doing good things. Yeah. Okay, so we need to build up the good things like the ABC gum and the boogers and stuff to help build immunity and fight, and fight the bad bacteria. You need better examples. I know. But you know, kids Let's do turn my stomach. Well, you know, kids do stuff they to do. help their immunity. It's like giving yourself a little injection and inoculation every day against measles. Okay, that's yeah. what we do for measles. So a trip to a restroom, mm-hmm. a public restroom, is just like a an inoculation exactly. to measles. <laughs> Licking the shopping cart, you know. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Kissing the dog, making mud pies. Yeah. It's part of being a child. It is. So parents, let your children be children. Don't be too hyper crazy about it. Our bodies consist of more cells from these microorganisms than human cells. So think about that for a minute. Wow. Than your human cells, we have more of these micro. Oh, organisms wow. at a 10 to 1 ratio more. And uh, if the kids don't shower, they have even more. 
<laughs> right. This is great, though. So, but it, and it shows the ecosystem that yeah, is your body. Yeah, we don't even see it. But if we're too preventative, mm-hmm. then we might be actually making it worse for our kids. Yeah, yeah. We're letting it's, we're letting the the bad germs thrive because we don't have the you know like we have the white blood cells that attack. Yeah. You know, we're we're limiting those, and that's what our our some people go in and do those cleansings too, like bowel cleansings uh-huh, yeah. to get rid of the bad. Uh-huh. But I wouldn't be messing with your flora. Yeah, don't mess. Okay. Yeah. So we have this NPR NPR article that talks about this ratio of a 10 to 1. Okay. And a scientist, Dr. Faith Dickerson, who's done research on this, she reports how gut flora wires our brains. And you'll be so interested in this, mm-hmm. Matt. It wires our brains and alters our mood and suggests that introducing good flora in the bi- microbiome may contribute to an improvement in psychiatric symptoms. Wow. So the study that they did was they did rats. Okay, they put rats in waters. Rats hate water, right? They can't swim. Yeah. You know? And so they gave rats this infusion of this these germs, these healthy germs. They were put in water. They went into panic mode. But those with the healthy germs calmed themselves down. Oh, they, really? And they swam forever without giving up. The rats that didn't get the- The good biome, the good, good bio, gut the flora. Good, good, good flora. They just panicked and then stopped and then drowned. Wow. They gave up. So it's about your gut. Mm-hmm. It's all down there. That's amazing. That triggers a, a mood-altering chemical to your brain telling you, like, relax, relax, relax. Chill. You got good flora. You got good flora down there. <laughs> okay, we got to take a break. That is, I have never heard that study. Yeah, uh-huh. So, and there's more than one. There's so many. Well, right, because this yeah. could maybe, maybe people that are having some symptoms of anxiety uh-huh. or depression or hopelessness or fear. Or, I mean, mm-hmm. maybe this is a little gut flora thing. Yeah. Okay, stick with us. We're going to take a break. More when we come back with Julie K. Nelson, our bomb mom. Go to her website, a spoonful of parenting.com. She's an educator, folks, at the university or Utah Valley University. Yeah, I was going to call it Utah Valley State, Utah Valley University, and uh, an expert in applied parenting and marriage and relationship skills. Stick with us more with the bomb mom after the break and your gut flora. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Joining us is uh, Julie K. Nelson, who is a, a teacher at the Universal, or Utah Valley University. Um, and you teach parenting classes, marriage skills, mm-hmm. communication classes. And today you're presenting gut flora. Yeah. Because the junk in our gut, they're proving, could be a stabilizing factor to our mental health. Yes, yes. And, and you want us to be not messing too much. With our kids' gut flora. Yeah, mental health as well as just overall well-being, um, health in general. Um, there's just so, so much we don't see and know, and we're starting to uncover this amazing uh, biome, this yeah. microbiome that's down in our gut. And seeing how much it triggers um, our well-being overall, our overall health in so many ways. Like we're washing our hands a lot more. We're mm-hmm. putting that... Junk on it that smells that I, like. I wash. I'm a wash. I'm a hand washer. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I, I love. But also, we need to take a you know little step back on being not hyper vigilant, and you know letting kids play. Let our you know toddlers you know on the floor. Put them on the floor. 
<laughs> Let them play outside. Yeah. You know, what's interesting also is they've done studies where um, children who are raised around pets seem to have less allergies um, to dander and other allergens. You know, oh, well, that's allergens true, huh? Because of being exposed yeah. to what the pets bring in. Oh, so much junk. Yeah. Yeah. And they play in the sandbox and there's some, you know. Why is there a dead rabbit in the living room? <laughs> oh, Chucky brought that in. <laughs> Can somebody take the rabbit out of here? <laughs> I got it, Mom. <laughs> it's oh, crazy. But these probiotics are found in yeah. everyday foods as well um, that we can ingest to help build up our microbiome with the positive. So know, that's what a probiotic is. Yeah. So probiotics are like kefir and buttermilk. Um, there's bacteria in those things. Um, and so, yogurt. Yeah, yogurt is really good. You know, just to help build up that that microbiome. Hmm. Um, and it helps us be less anxious and distressed, and our digestion is better, and our overall health. Do you know that eighty percent? You'd be interested in this too, Matt. Eighty percent of all serotonin is found in the gut. Is it really? And that's our feel good. Yeah, that's the one that makes. That's what everyone has. That's like depressed. Mm-hmm. If they don't have enough serotonin. Yeah. Well, they they don't have that if they're yeah. depressed. No. If they're happy, they've got serotonin. Eighty percent of it is found in your gut. It's an oil well of happiness down there. And yet. We we're, not feeding, pay it. we're not feeding it. We're not feeding it. So we feed it with buttermilk, <laughs> Paula Dean, <laughs> butter. She would love this. Yeah. No wonder yogurt. she's happy. But it's also not just like let's just you know give kids five gallons of yogurt every day and kefir and stuff. Um, but also there's you know just letting them live in this world. Yeah. And um, there's some prebiotics, prebiotics that feed the gut flora. <clears throat> that's like bananas, oatmeal, honey, legumes, things like that. So mm-hmm. eating well and healthy is also really good. Um, but I wonder why so many modern children are sensitive to foods these days. You know, and they, they don't have as much in the air contact with plants and things like that. Yeah. It could be answered with how diverse is their exposure to bacteria. So, you know, parents, take a chill pill. We've had you know, uh, professors. And let them go out there and, and, you know, explore the world. We've had professors on the show that use – so MRSA, that horrible kind of disease, flesh-eating mm-hmm. disease, yeah, infection. And st- they actually use – they use some of these horrible viruses, I guess, that are on mm-hmm. our body mm-hmm. that don't hurt our body. Mm-hmm. But they use it to fight mm-hmm. MRSA. And they're finding that you've got stuff on your body that your body's used to that can take on MRSA, except they can't manufacture something to take on MRSA. Wow. But humans are kind of wired to take it on. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? So we've got this stuff, but as a parent, we just need to make sure, I guess, we're doing the pre-flora routine, <laughs> getting enough <laughs> legumes, yeah. get, get, seeds or whatever. Yeah, and let them be exposed to the world. I mean, and you know, the five-second rule when food drops on our floor always work for us. I mean, know? unless it's you in know? a restroom. <laughs> unless it's ABC gum in a sketchy yeah. bathroom. But I mean, there's stuff. I mean, I think if every parent really saw what their kids, kids have done before, mm-hmm. yeah. they'd be... In fact, you know, so here's the thing. If, if your child is prone to illness, you know, talk to a doctor about this, but it may not be instead of clean up the world even more, it could be let them have more exposure to what's natural in yeah. the world. 
Get a dog. So I'm going to quiz you. Okay. See, see how well you're doing with this, man. Okay, okay, okay. ready? Yep. How many feet of quail tubing do we have in our gut? Is it 16 feet, 25 feet, or 35 feet? 25 feet, duh. Duh. There you go. Bing. How many microorganisms do you have in your gut? Is it 600 million? Is it 150 billion or 100 trillion? 100 trillion? You listened. Of course Woo-hoo! I did. Whoa. I've got a okay. I've got perfect recall. You have a memory like a steel trap. And okay. uh, we should let our children eat gum off of restroom floors. Yes, that's that's a true. How about how many more cells do we have that are microorganism, microorganisms than human cells? Is it a 10 to 1 ratio, a 13 to 1, or 15 to 1? Mm, the ratio, I don't know. The, a 10 to 1. <clears throat> yes, you got it. You're like 4, four to 1, 0. I know, 4 to 700. <sighs> okay, here we go. Here's the next one. Okay. Um, how much serotonin percentage is in the gut? Is it 60, 75? 80%. Or, oh, you already knew the answer. You know what? I think, test is easy. I think, I think Matt deserves a little prize. How about <gasps> some homemade granola that I brought today? This for, looks like gut flora. This is gut flora right here. I spit in it. I wiped, you made homemade. I licked it. I dropped, put some. I laced it with some dirt. Ugh. You know what? I'm allergic to. <laughs> Just kidding. That looks good. This is my homemade granola. You put happy, it on. I could put it on yogurt. You could put it on yogurt. That's what it's for. I should give some to the rest of the team. Mm-hmm, but don't. But I won't. Okay. I should give some to Ben. You could put it on Ben's ice cream. But have you seen Ben's gut flora? It's probably just nasty. Full, full of ice cream. Donald Trump says it's not bad. It's just nasty. <laughs> That's what he says about Ted Cruz. <laughs> well, that is great insight that you've given us. Mm-hmm. And um, so really, let your kids experience life. Yeah. Let them play. Yeah, wash your hands before dinner, you know, and after you go to the bathroom. But, sure. you know... Uh, give them healthy a healthy diet and be aware that our world is full of these good positive bacteria that help to fight the bad. If your child comes in with like, let's just say dirt around his mouth. Just say lick it off. And you know he's been <laughs> eating dirt. You shouldn't be worried. My brother-in-law, lets, he's a medical doctor and he's he's like, I want my kids to get dirty. Yeah. And get because mm-hmm. it's going to get in them. Mm-hmm. It needs to be in them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It seems kind of like bad parenting. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But you should bathe them. You're not saying don't bathe Every them. other week, maybe. But maybe then let them sit in the <laughs> stew of their own. Oh. Julie K. Nelson. You did it again. That's cool. That's cool information. Cool information. And thanks for the granola. You are welcome. You'll love that it. That seems like some really good Healthy gut, stuff. gut germ biome mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, we're going to take a break. If you want to get a hold, by the way, of our great uh, Julie K. Nelson, go to her website, a aspoonfulofparenting.com. Soon to be releasing a new website called A Spoonful of Gut Flora. <laughs> dot net forward slash dot web dot gov <laughs> so check her out there spoonful of parenting.com great books great information and all of her blogs are there as well plus she's got five spoonfuls of gut biome that you can look up all on the website <laughs> thanks julie hey, thanks matt it's good to be here we'll take a break come back with our good buddies at byu sports nation check in on their gut flora we'll be right back stick with us to the Matt Townsend Show. We're going to shoot it down to our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Oh, man. What's up? Sports will be here in a minute. Okay. Well, first the best, last the worst. If you can name this band, 
you win a thousand love points. It's clearly the Beatles, right? If you can name this song. I don't know this song. Maxwell's Silver Hammer. Oh, oh yeah, Maxwell's Silver Hammer. It's a classic. It's a classic. It, this wasn't on the one album. Yeah, no. No, it was on. Which is no, made thirty years later. It was yeah. This is uh this is a one that I listen to every night when going to bed. Every night. Mm-hmm. It just helps me sleep. It's pretty, it's pretty good. I don't know why. Hey, okay, I got a question for you. <laughs> this is crazy, uh, but you might have to. You're gonna have to answer it until until Spence can be there. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Um, let's just say I ordered a Kindle. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I, I received the Kindle in the mail. But when it got here by FedEx, I opened it up and there was a bag marked patient tumor specimen enclosed. Uh. And let's just say the bag actually contained human tissue. Yeah, this is getting weird. What? Are we on the air? What should I do? This is a true story out of the UK. Yeah. And... He he got a Kindle. Yeah, what do you do? But it wasn't the Kindle. It was actually a tumor specimen. That it was a piece of someone's tumor Kindle. Mm-hmm. And there, they, he like called them back and like, oh, this isn't this isn't my Kindle. And they're like, oh, we know we shipped you the Kindle. Hmm. So I don't know what to tell you about the tumor. Yeah, that's an issue. <sighs> Solve that. Solve it. What do you do? He got a steal for some tissue. <laughs> hey, tissue is expensive, man. I w- Do you know how much a tumor specimen costs today? <laughs> Good grief. You can't just go to Walmart and get Sell some- that on the black market, man. Tumor tissue. But, like, you can't do much with it. You yeah. can't. I'm sorry. That's weird. Yeah. That's really disgusting, actually. Yeah. So anyway, if yeah, you I was get... about to eat something. So oh, were you? No, if, I wasn't. If you guys, if you guys, um, if you get a really weird gift from me, mm-hmm. can you just forward it on to my uh, to my lab? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Does that seem gross to you? Hey, did you guys hear about my new invention? Not a, it's not invention? a new invention. It's a business idea. What's your business idea besides poopsies? No, yeah, poopsies. We gave up. That was your idea. Uh, my idea, if, if you guys, there's a company called Tasers R Us that, and they're yeah, trying. You told, you told us this, right? So, but we're now, yeah, we're now gonna. And then we were like, get Taysom Hill after BYU to, yeah, help you with Taysom, Taysom. But here's what we want to do now. Now we want to have Tasers that are can like be like customized to you. So oh, clearly, it's all about customization. Do you for think the client? Do you think BYU would let me like brand a YTasom.com? Taze it. Uh, you can talk to the licensing. Okay. Can department. I get a name? Do you have a name for that? Uh, like let's see. It's Adam Parker. Okay. That's Adam. a real name. I'm not making it up. Adam Parker at In licensing. licensing. I mean, I know you guys had trouble with licensing just last year. Um, Adam. It wasn't okay. that long ago. Okay. So uh, I'll get I'll get his number. The Y is in our logo. So right. we have to go through on our show logo. So I'm just so thinking, don't you think every co-ed needs a taser and um, they can just have their, you know, their logo on it? I'm also going to sell some with the Panthers and the Broncos. Good luck with that life. <sighs> I know. It's hard. It's hard to run a business when you're not a businessman. Hey, um, what do you guys think about... Uh, <laughs> play basketball when you're not a basketball player. Because I've been out of town. I mean, I've been busy. 
So I want to hear what you think about the Broncos-Panthers. I think it is the ideal matchup for the NFL. Other than the Seahawks versus anybody else. <laughs> listen, listen. Who is the media darling of NFL? Uh, Brady. No, it's Peyton Manning, Peyton right? Manning by far. And this could be his... This could be his John Elway this moment. This could be it. I don't since he got to the Super Bowl, I don't see him going out on top like John Elway though. Don't you? I bet he plays another year. But what if he wins? He won't play I, another year. Do you think? If he wins, you think he'll come back? No way. I think he comes back either way. Ooh. Because, wow. Because that defense is so good. He, he could think, hey, if he could pull an Elway. Two more years. Oh, man, I want to All of a sudden, his legacy is he had to, way greater. He had to take a pay cut. He's been he under, had to get to the Super Bowl with scrutiny. the great defense. No, what I'm saying is, like, yes, but the Broncos, like, who knows if that defense is going to stick around? Right. Who knows if they're going to stick around? It's true. He could assess that and then make that decision. I think he'll quit right when he wins the game. They'll say, where are you going? And you say, I'm going to Disneyland with my kids, and I quit. Why would you not, if you win the Super Bowl and you're Peyton Manning, why would you not say, okay, I'm done, I'm on top, and then have a very, su- a very successful television career doing whatever else you want? Why didn't mm-hmm. someone tell this to Kobe Bryant? Well. Because it's painful to watch that dude. Yes, this is why Peyton, if this they is win, why you needs can't. to just be like, okay, but, had a fantastic career, I'm out. But the Laker, yeah, no. The, you don't want a standing ovation in every city you go to and everyone feels bad for you. Like Kobe. It's kind of sad. That it, well, he goes home and goes, oh, I feel so bad. And he looks at his five championship rings and his <laughs> $30 million dollar contract this year and he goes, I'm good. I missed some jump shots. Whatever. Whatever. Whatever, man. Bah. What's yeah, it? it'll, be a, it'll be a fun matchup. It's going to be great. Who, okay, are you going to pick somebody? I mean, I got to think about it. It just we, seems like the Panthers just crushed days. the Cardinals. Like, that's. Yeah, the Panthers are an unbelievable team. It's, they start so fast. Yeah. But. They haven't played the Broncos' defense. The Broncos' defense is legit. That'll be a fun matchup. That'll be Cam really Newton fun. In, those, in the nameless, faceless Carolina offense. Mm. Against okay, I'm glad I brought it up. Denver. You guys just you just confirmed my suspicion. But could either of these teams defeat the 95-96 Bulls? That's the question that we really need to ask. Well, I'll, Another bet, day. I'll bet you the Broncos could beat the Bulls in football. In, ba- in baseball. In baseball. I don't know. They had Michael Jordan. Jordan did bat 220 for <laughs> now, the Birmingham Barons. Now, listen Listen to this. According to SB Nation, during the conversation Peyton Manning had with Bill Belichick following the ASC Championship, Manning hinted to Belichick that Super Bowl 50 against the Panthers could be his final game. Quote, hey, listen, this might be my last rodeo. So it has been a pleasure. End Broncos, quote. Broncos? Wow. Rodeo? I get it. The audio was captured by NFL Network. That's cool. So he's coming back next year. <laughs> oh, that's okay. See, I, I knew, I knew it. And I'm not even a, like a sports nut, but I knew it. You guys still doing your show? Naturally, that's, at some point, probably what? at ten today. You can do it at ten, top of the hour. What, 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 what are you going to talk 10 about? Today, mountain, mountain. <sighs> today, let's see what's uh, what's on the. Edge I bet you have. I bet you have someone from ESPN. Could nope, you... we have somebody from the Sporting News on Optimum Scouting. His name is Eric Galco, and he's going to give us his projection in the NFL draft for BYU defensive star Bronson Kafusi. Where does he think he's going to go cool. in the NFL draft? Like it. I like also, it. Also, does a guy like Taysom Hill have a shot in the NFL? Hmm. 
What does the director of Optimum Scouting think about a guy who's had three season-ending injuries who is an amazing athlete? Ooh, this is a must-listen. Okay, so those things will be on top. We also have Jeff Judkins in studio, and BYU <gasps> football hired three more new coaches. They're close to completing the staff, and as they get closer, we're going to gauge the expectations of the fans in terms of where they think this staff will make the biggest difference in changing BYU football. Mm. Good show. Did they did they try to tap either of you to to come coach? Uh, no, would, but we fulfill our role. We we have guided tours for recruits and whatnot. Really? We, we we're uh, part of the, the team. Deal. We're yeah. part of the, yeah. We're the yeah. closers. Yeah. So so they get the whole team, and then they the get team. you two and your show. That's great. It's quite a deal. How could you say no to this? How could you? <laughs> Said someone. You want a squeezy ball? Here you go. Please take me away from this. I, never will we go to BYU. <laughs> Those two guys are creepy. <laughs> anyway. What show are you talking about? Just, just another show. That guy was oh. talking about tumors and tissues. It was weird. That guy is such a creep. It's totally – I just try to bring you the news, guys. Hey, um, have a great show. Knock them dead. Thanks, sir. Keep, keep happy. Be happy. We're here for you. Don't worry. You guys are great. I knew you'd end with a song. Have a great show. We're out of here. Good stuff. Yeah, they've got uh, – they're part of the package deal. So when they're trying to recruit somebody, they're like, you got to see our facilities. you gotta, you got to see our facilities. And then they bring them over, and then these two just wine and dine them without the wine. They just dine them. There's probably a little wine. It probably sounds a little bit like this. Aww. Or this one. No. Aww. that's good stuff good stuff folks they're a great show top of the hour get ready locked and loaded make sure you've got some food and you can just listen to them if you're on the east coast you can listen to them through your lunch right i mean that's a pretty good gig noon to one man they got a good gig is that right yeah Okay, we're gonna. Um, we got a couple stories. I got to get to you because if I don't, we're gonna be sad. One thing, true story. I've met one famous politician in my life at the White House. It was Bill and Hillary Clinton's dog. It was a chocolate lab, and I was standing by the fence, you know, awkwardly gawking. And the black lab runs up. I can't remember what the dog's name was. And he just stuck his head through the fence and I just he just licked me. I did not wash that hand for a week. But apparently a man has been an alleged plot to kidnap President Obama's dog. You're a monster. I know. And he was arrested on weapons charges. This man, not well mentally who allegedly plotted to kidnap one of Obama's family dogs, was arrested in the district last week with a cache of weapons and ammunition in his car, according to the Secret Service. He made a lot of outlandish claims, the officer said, that one was that he was Jesus Christ. That's, you know, just explains it there. And John Kennedy and Marilyn Monroe. So he's pretty much just dropping every name he could. But he planned to run for president, and then he was there to kidnap Bo or Sonny. He didn't care. Just bring me one of them. Uh, Obama's dogs. Anyway, the guy's been arrested and Secret Service, they're on the case. They're on the case. Scary. I mean, scary. 
Even the dog has to have security now. Mm. And by the way, the Clintons' dog ended up getting killed, hit by a car in New York later when they were no longer in the White House. True story. So you... I didn't you, have anything You to have do the that. germs of, of a dead dog. I still haven't washed that hand. I've noticed. What? That was rude. Man, you're kind of rude today. Um, we're going to wrap up the show as we always do with a hero story. And our hero is Ron Sturgeon, a Texas millionaire. Listen to this. Ron Sturgeon, a millionaire who lives in Fort Worth, Texas, is lending two of his mansions to tornado victims who lost their homes in the devastating tornadoes that ripped through Texas last December. About four families can fit into the two properties, and the tenants would have to pay just $1 a month. The first family is already getting comfortable in one of the mansions, single mother Catherine Jenkins, and her quadriplegic daughter Amber moved in early January. Uh, Jenkins says it's just overwhelming. We're going to be so happy just to be able to rest finally. The Jenkins home was completely destroyed in the tornado. Sturgeon was out of the country when the storms hit, and he says he felt compelled to help after seeing the devastation on the news. Sturgeon says that it is a special thing for me to be able to help such a deserving family. Sturgeon himself lost his father as a senior in high school and um, has been homeless and lived in a mobile home for a while. He said uh, that his own challenges make giving back all the more meaningful. Sturgeon chose the Jenkins family because their story resonated with him and is still accepting applications for his offer. According to a Facebook post, families are able to stay in the homes for at least three months. Candidates need to go through a background check, verify their house was destroyed by the tornado, and have a credit score of 700 or higher. It's cool. Reaching out, trying to help people that are in need. Folks, that's the goal of the show. Help you see the good in the world. We'll do it again uh, tomorrow. More ideas, more tools to help you live longer and love stronger. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Until tomorrow, take care of each other. We'll be back tomorrow. Talk to you then.